Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, so, uh, we do not have our first sponsor, but even more importantly than a sponsor, um, I actually wanted to raise some awareness for a vote that's taking place for a very good friend of mine, Anna. Uh, there's a website, uh, Maxim's Finest. Uh, the link I'm going to be posting uh, at the bottom of YouTube. Uh, I'm also going to be talking about it uh, right now, but also at the end of the podcast as well to really encourage you guys to vote. Uh, the link is https colon forward slash forward slash maximsfinest dot com slash 2017 slash Anna A-N-N-A dash four. Um, so I'm going to repeat that again at the end of the podcast and we're also going to have the link at the bottom of the YouTube page as well. Um, but I strongly encourage you guys to vote. Um, because number one, Anna's a really good friend of mine, but also uh, she's very, very close right now. So there's actually eight days left in the voting. Uh, She's currently 13th in uh, the International Group 3, so it's broken up into different groups. Um, And yeah, like there's a very good cause that's also a part of this as well, um, because there's actually two different ways that you can vote for Anna. Number one, uh, you can vote uh, through Facebook, Um, But number two is the more interesting option. Uh, It's called the warrior vote. So if you click on the warrior vote, um, a portion of the proceeds benefits uh, the Homes for the Wounded Warriors. Um, So really good cause there. Again, like I strongly encourage you guys to visit the website to vote for my good friend Anna um, and help her to win, hopefully. Um, But again, really good cause. um, And, you know, I really hope to see Anna winning this. So, um, yeah, if you guys can, definitely check it out. Please vote. Uh, I would appreciate it. I know Anna would appreciate it. Uh, both of us sending good vibes to you guys, uh, if you guys can do that. Um, so yeah, awesome way to start the show. Um, to me, more important than a sponsor, uh, a really good friend of mine. Uh, so, the other bit of good news that I wanted to share with you guys is about this podcast. So this podcast is now officially approved for iTunes. Uh, I'm so excited about that. Uh, This is something that we've been wanting for quite some time. Um, I say quite some time, but this is only the third day of this podcast, and this is only the third episode of this podcast. So uh, the fact that we're already official, um, and to me, if you're a podcast and you're not on iTunes, you're not really official yet, uh, but for us to be on iTunes, I think makes it more than official um, and I'm so excited, Uh, you know, when I got the email from iTunes about this, um, I was just so excited, so happy about it, Um, and again, you know, it's not so much because of what we're doing here with this podcast, it's about what you guys are doing in terms of the awareness that you guys are making for this and creating for this podcast, the support that you guys give to me uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, personal messages, everything, it means so much. Uh, the support and love that you guys have shown me, um, and yeah, I mean, it's just great. Um, it's it's another step for this podcast. Uh, it's, a, it's a big step. Um, anytime that you're officially on iTunes for anything, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, but yeah, so that was probably one of the most proudest things uh, for me personally uh, in my entire life, like to become officially a podcast on iTunes. Huge deal. Um, and yeah, so before I forget, I do 
want to encourage you guys, uh, no matter how you watch this podcast or listen to it, whether it's you know YouTube, podcast.com, um, through Facebook, um, however you guys listen to this podcast, add another way. Uh, add iTunes uh, because it's a great way for you guys uh, to listen to this podcast on the go when you're commuting, when you're you know at work, um, you know if if you're just lounging, if you're relaxing at home, um, you know you've got the earbuds in. Um, it's a great way for you to also listen to this podcast. So uh, the link for this for us on iTunes is https colon forward slash forward slash itunes.apple.com slash ca slash podcast slash papa dash johns j-o-h-n-s without without the apostrophe j-o-h-n-s dash brain dash droppings slash and this is where you're going to want to grab your pencil or pen ID one two seven eight seven eight seven seven three six. So again, that last part really long. ID one two seven eight seven eight seven seven three six. So uh, that link is very long. I know that, uh, and that's why that link, uh, just like Maximus Finest link uh, for voting for Anna, is going to be at the bottom of YouTube if you're watching the video. Um, so again with iTunes I strongly strongly recommend you guys and encourage you guys um, recommend of course this is my podcast I, I strongly encourage you guys um, to subscribe to to download on iTunes and to if you can review um, from what I understand my limited knowledge of, of podcasts and learning as I go um, the more reviews that you get um, the more that your podcast gets out there, um, the more visible it becomes, basically. Um, so that would be the ultimate goal for this podcast, is to become bigger and bigger in terms of its audience, to become uh, very visible um, as much as possible. Uh, that would definitely be the goal for this podcast. So um, again, you know, I love you guys. I thank you guys for the support already that you've been giving. Um, the support has been crazy, by the way. First episode, we've already got more than 60 views on YouTube. Uh, we've got more than 28 downloads on podcast.com for the first episode. Um, I just posted uh, the second podcast this morning at 8 a.m. Um, and the second podcast already had like instantly like 11 views on YouTube, uh, more than six downloads on podcast.com, and that was after I just posted it. So um, the support... Uh, the viewership, everything means so much to me, um, and you know I really appreciate it, guys. Like you're definitely driving this thing forward, um, and yeah, you know, like I think that this makes it official um, in a lot of ways, um, and I'm I'm so happy, so pleased uh, to be able to make that announcement so early because honestly I didn't know how long it would take to get approved by Apple by iTunes. So um, yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. And I, I thank you guys so much for being a part of this journey. And, you know, we're going to continue this journey. This isn't the end. This is, believe me, just the very beginning of this podcast, the very beginning of this journey. Um, so uh, that brings me to the start of this podcast. And 
boy do I have a crazy story but a true story for you guys so um, believe it or not especially this is gonna sound weird because of the time that I posted that second podcast so uh, the second podcast I posted at 8 in the morning this morning but I actually wanted to be able to post that podcast even earlier like probably 5 p.m. the previous day um, I had it ready recorded edited everything but then something happened it actually was triggered after the first day of the podcast so what happened after the first day of the podcast and this is where the story begins um, I was about to get up to do something and I was in a rush um, and that was probably my first mistake um, I was in a rush and if I can get it on screen when I was getting up my leg was in like an awkward position and my body was like pushing up at the same time so the weight of my leg in relation to my groin area um, was probably not in the best spot shall we say so instantly I felt a really sharp pain um, but me being kind of naive kind of stupid with this um, I didn't do anything I thought that the pain would just go away I thought that it would be you know nothing I, I, I thought that you know after some time it would just heal itself there'd be no problems right so fast forward to that night didn't really get much sleep but eventually I did sleep um, you know and, and when I woke up I still kind of felt a sh uh, not quite the sharp pain that I did before but every so often I would feel flashes of it um, so I started to get concerned especially because of the area that it's in um, and I started to play Dr. Google. So I went to WebMD. Uh, I went to check out the, the symptoms. Um, luckily, and this is also part of the reason why I didn't really think anything major of it other than the you know off and on pain. There's no swelling, there's no bruising, um, there's no um, blood in the urine. Um, you know this, this podcast is now rated explicit uh, on, on iTunes, I think for the right reasons. It's going to be unfiltered. Um, and this story is definitely explicit and unfiltered. Um, but yeah, so there wasn't really like any crazy symptoms for this other than like an off and on pain. Not like a throbbing pain, but just like, you know, every once in a while I'd be sitting down and I just kind of feel a little bit of tension, a little bit of pain there. So um, ultimately, after I recorded the second podcast yesterday, um, and did the editing, I still kind of felt a little bit of a pain going on. So um, when I played Dr. Google, when I checked it on WebMD, um, what came up with the symptoms I was having is something called testicular torsion. Uh, so testicular torsion I was looking into and it scared the hell out of me when I found out about it, uh, when I was reading about it, I mean. So, uh, you know, basically the prognosis for it they were looking at like you know if you haven't gone to see to the emergency uh you know six six hours after it happens uh you're probably in trouble you might actually lose that testicle you you know probably won't be able to have kids that type of thing so as soon as i read that i said to myself this is fucking insane um i need to go right now to the hospital so i did um and when i went to the hospital you know, told them the embarrassing story about what happened, um, went to see the doctor, the doctor did his examination, um, and physically, you know, with the examination, he said there's nothing that looked to be wrong there, 
but as I was reading on WebMD, uh, the recommendation there was to uh, also do an ultrasound just to be sure that there's no uh, torsion. Um, honestly, at that time, I wasn't even sure that it was just a torsion. It felt like loose to me. It felt really awkward, like nothing that I've ever felt before. Um, you know, I kind of worried that something else happened. Maybe it just like tore completely. I, I didn't know, right? Um, but again, there was no bruising. There was, there was no blood in the urine, um, nothing like that. Um, so we did the ultrasound and that was probably one of the weirdest experiences of my entire life. Uh, I've had an ultrasound before, but obviously not for something in that area. Um, this was crazy, creepy, weird, awkward, all of those things. Um, what happened was, uh, you know, I was lying down. I know this is explicit, but it's, it's a funny story in a way, thankfully. Um, you know, I was lying down. Um, they had me kind of hold my junk, uh, you know, out of the way. Um, and, you know, if you've never had an ultrasound before, uh, you've probably seen it on TV at least, um, you know, when they're checking for pregnancies and things like that with the baby. Uh, you know, they'll have gel that they, they put on you and then they have the wand that they use over that as they do the ultrasound, right? So they were doing that um, in that area, which was very, very awkward, very strange. Um, I honestly felt so embarrassed and so awkward there. Um, and I felt so embarrassed for the nurse. Um, she was uh, very professional with it. Um, you know, it, it was just so, so weird. Um, you know, and in my head, I'm thinking not about anything except, man, I hope I didn't come too late and I hope I don't lose like a testicle or lose the ability to have kids in the future, right? So I'm thinking like the worst. I'm hoping for the best, but I'm thinking the worst, right? Um, so, you know, she does the wand and, you know, in certain places there was a bit of pain. I, you know, um, the pain was still there with the wand kind of going into that area. Um, but the results for the ultrasound came back uh, and the doctor was right with the physical examination uh, as it turned out with the ultrasound it also showed that uh, there's no issues down there as Donald Trump would say but unlike Donald Trump there really is no issues down there <laughs> so um, yeah like it was a crazy crazy experience um, WebMD probably just like heightened my concerns about the symptoms that I was having um, thankfully um, everything is okay um, I'm happy to report to you guys. So, um, yeah, believe it or not, uh, that is actually the exact true story. It has to be, because why would I make something like that up, uh, of why the podcast was delayed being posted. Believe it or not, it was actually already edited. It was ready to be put up on YouTube and podcast.com. But, yeah, um, that kind of took the priority when I read about the, the issues there. Uh, with testicular torsion. Uh, so luckily, nothing like that. Um, thankfully. Thankfully indeed. So um, the other thing that I want to talk about with you guys uh, on a much lighter note, <laughs> although that is a kind of funny story and that's why I shared it with you guys, um, is uh, more of a local story. So uh, if you're watching this podcast from anywhere other than Toronto, you're probably going to tune out or not be as interested in this part. I apologize in advance. 
but if you are in Toronto and you are listening to this podcast, uh, you'll probably understand where I'm coming from with this. Um, so the TTC uh, is the subways, the buses in Toronto. Um, they are basically phasing out metro passes. They're phasing out uh, tokens, which for a lot of people, myself included, uh, is what we use to you know take the subway, to take the bus to and from work, etc. in the city. So they're phasing it out in favor of a presto pass, is what they call it. So it just kind of seems like more and more it's everything else is getting phased out completely and it's just going to be the presto pass, right? From all accounts, from everything that we're seeing. Um, so luckily for me, I usually just buy metro passes, but I actually had a presto pass from like four or five years ago. I can't even remember when I used it. Um, but it was for when I was, it was for work. I was traveling from Toronto, Ontario, Canada to Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. So, um, I was using the Presto Pass at that point. So in my head, I was thinking like, man, do I really want to go get like a new uh, Presto Pass or can I just check to see if my old one still works, right? So I run around the house, I, I, I checked and I found my old Presto Pass and it's right there, beautiful. Um, and it does work, it does still work. It actually still has $12 on it uh, from all the way back. Uh, four or five years ago, which is crazy. Um, and luckily for me, I, I'm not sure if the new Presto Passes are like this, but this one has an expiry date, um, and it's actually exactly one year from now. So it's September 5th, 2018. So I was in luck. The Presto Pass I have works, um, and it's good for the next year. So um, what seemed like it would be an inconvenience uh, really wasn't. Um, so, um, some good news there, uh, for me anyways, with the Presto Pass. Um, moving on. So, as you guys saw yesterday in yesterday's podcast, and even probably the first podcast episode as well, uh, I am a huge wrestling fan. I love watching wrestling. Um, I have ever since I was a little kid. Um, I still do to this day. I know a lot of people uh, beat me up about it. You know, they, John, why the hell do you still watch wrestling? You know, don't you know it's fake? Of course I know it's fake. Um, it's just, I don't know, something about it I've always liked. Um, it's like so much entertainment. Um, there's so much to it. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff to look at just for laughs, just to see like how ridiculous and crazy it gets. Um, the mistakes sometimes that get made. So what Matthew does with Botchamania, which we talked about yesterday, um, it, it, it's really part of the reason why I still watch it is because it's just fun to see like how ridiculous it gets. Um, no better p example of that than this. Uh, so for those of you guys that are wrestling fans, you'll definitely know who Jeff Jarrett is. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is right here. And this is also a tweet from Matthew uh, for Botchamania. He was saying, people didn't believe me when Jeff Jarrett was throwing tacos into the crowd, so here's a gif of exactly that. Um, so when I first read that tweet without looking at the gif, I was like, oh man, like there's, there's no way. Why the hell would Jeff Jarrett be throwing out tacos <laughs> randomly to a crowd? Um, but sure enough, that's exactly what he was doing. 
Um, so sometimes you see some pretty ridiculous stuff in wrestling, and that was a really good example of that. And speaking of ridiculous things in wrestling, uh, there's a wrestler, her name is Sexy Star, and I'm not making that up, that actually is her wrestling name, Sexy Star. Uh, she got smacked with a chair, with a steel chair, in this match, and this is what this gif is showing, you see it right there. And in wrestling, they've got a lot of different terms. As we were saying, like, you know, if, if you weren't aware, wrestling is, in fact, fake. I hate to break it to you. I hate to be the one to break it to you, um, but it is fake. Um, and in wrestling, they've got a lot of terms. Uh, one of them is selling. And selling, what that means is basically, um, you know, when something happens. So, for example, if you were to get punched like that, if I was doing this, I'm not selling it, right? Because I'm not responding to getting hit, right? Um, so, in this case, uh, what she's doing is she's getting hit with the chair, she's getting hit with the chair, and how she's selling it is she just wanders aimlessly outside of the ring, um, which I found to be totally ridiculous. And I'm not totally familiar with Sexy Star. Um, she's not a wrestler for the WWE, which is the main wrestling promotion. Um, and this probably shows you why. Um, you know, if somebody was to hit you in real life with a steel chair, you're probably not going to respond to that by like randomly, aimlessly walking around without really selling it. Um, so I thought that was pretty silly and definitely something that I wanted to share with you guys, especially the wrestling fans that are watching this podcast. Um, the other thing is uh, some tweets that I found, some inspirational tweets again from Billionaire Mindset. Uh, one of them was, everyone you meet has something to teach you and I think that that rings so true um, I think in, in many ways um, the positive way obviously like if you meet somebody and you respect how they interact with others how they help others um, just you know what they do their essence right um, how they uh, how they do things um, in that way like you're learning from them you know in a positive way um, but there's also a saying you know you learn from other people's mistakes or at least you can right is it sometimes a choice that you make um, but you know that's kind of like a more negative way to look at it but it's also true too right um, you you learn from other people's mistakes just as much as you learn from your own sometimes so in that way they're also teaching you so I agree with that statement I think everybody that you meet in life um, in one way or another um, actually does have something to teach you um, whether that be a, in a positive way or you're learning from their mistake um, I, I do agree with that statement uh, totally. Uh, Billionaire Mindset also tweeted, uh, be who you are and say what you feel. It's not being rude, it's being real. Um, and I think that is so true. Um, if For those of you guys that know me, um, I pride myself as much as possible to be as honest and open um, and as real as I can be. Um, and and I, what that does for me personally is it, it kind of, you know, lifts the weight off your shoulders, right? The more honest you can be with everybody, um, the easier it is to, to be you, you know? 
um, and you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are you should you know embrace it and you know just be you right so I like that saying uh, but every, every time I ever hear people saying like being real uh, for some reason I always think of the old Dave Chappelle show uh, Chappelle show um, and uh, that skit that he did when keeping it real goes wrong uh, <laughs> but um, yeah you know like I, I do definitely agree with those statements um, the other tweet that I found which I thought was hilarious uh, was from at Rob Fee uh, at on Twitter and at Rob Fee uh, tweeted out relationships are just two people scrolling through Netflix saying I don't care just pick something until they both turn into skeletons so I thought that that was pretty funny um, and definitely something that I wanted to share with you guys on the podcast um, the next tweet um, I also was dying laughing when I saw this. I still, when I see this image, um, I can't stop but laugh. Uh, this was a, a tweet from at Scott M1987. Um, and in this tweet, he's saying, I've never heard of you. And from a cursory glance, you have a 0.01% of the views of a guy who reviews energy drinks in a three-piece suit. So this image is absolutely ridiculous to me. So this is, in fact, and it looks like it's showing up pretty well on the screen, but this is, in fact, a monster energy drink that this guy has on his table, and he's in a three-piece suit, and he's drinking the energy drink <laughs> in a wine glass. Um, it's so over the top. It's so crazy. In a way, like, I, I truly hope that this is just this guy being funny, and maybe, I don't know, maybe he does this on, on a show online. I'm not familiar with who this guy is. Um, I hope. Because if he takes it that seriously, if he takes energy drinks that seriously, I kind of have to worry. Um, dressing up like James Bond and sipping on um, <laughs> energy drinks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I, I, I just find that, I still find that every time I look at that picture, like, at least, like, a smile or a smirk will come on my face because it's so over the top, it's so ridiculous. Um, and I wanted to share that with you guys um, because it is so ridiculous. Um, so, moving on uh, to a basketball game, and this was actually a celebrity basketball game uh, from yesterday, and more and more on this show, uh, you guys will be seeing sports. Um, I don't really think we've talked that much about sports on this show yet. Um, but just watching that, so what you guys just saw there uh, was a celebrity basketball game featuring John Wall, uh, the all-star point guard for the Washington Wizards, one of the best point guards in the NBA. And he's going up against a celebrity. And, you know, in, in basketball, you've got the term, like, break the, break the ankles. Um, you know, when you're, you've got somebody on defense and, you know, you're, you're dribbling the ball and you actually get them to, you know, go way out of their way and you just go all the way around you basically make them look like a fool. Um, in this case, not only did he break his ankles, I think he broke that guy's body because, man, like not only does he go in the totally wrong way with his legs, but he fell backwards. Um, and that's the type of craziness that you'll see trying to defend a player like John Wall, uh, the caliber of John Wall. So I definitely wanted to share that with you guys because I thought that that was so crazy that that guy thought he even had a chance to defend John Wall um, 
yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. As a matter of fact, uh, Kid G agrees with me. His tweet, he said, um, I heard of ankle breaking, but this looks like John Wall just dismembered this guy. <laughs> Somebody called 911. And I would agree, like, he didn't just break his ankles. Uh, he, he definitely uh, dismembered that guy. <laughs> Um, the next thing that I wanted to show you guys, uh, but to be honest with you guys, I don't think that I can uh, because it will probably get us kicked off of YouTube uh, because it features the Law and Order theme. Uh, it's actually a tweet from CJ McCollum. Uh, he's also a player for uh, the Portland Trailblazers. This was a hilarious tweet. Um, so if you're listening on, on iTunes or on podcast.com, I highly recommend you guys check out CJ McCollum's uh, tweet. Uh, it is hilarious. Um, I have the full video right now, so I'm gonna try to play this. Um, and if it works, great. If it doesn't work and it bounces us off of YouTube, I'll just edit this part out. The outstanding defenders. McCollum gets it to go. They have. that that was hilarious uh, from CJ McCollum um, you know the NBA season going to be starting up very soon uh, middle of next month actually um, so really excited to see what happens uh, but one of the best things that you'll see from the NBA a lot of times is just how active those guys are on social media it's unlike any other sports league in that way um, and obviously with CJ McCollum having a lot of fun there um, with a h hilarious video um, so definitely props to him for that um, so the next tweet uh, that I wanted to share with you guys uh, is from Stephen Shepard uh, from Politico. Um, and we were talking about, in the last podcast, I believe, uh, Hurricane Irma and how the pathway for it, the predictions at the time, uh, the predictions were all over the place. There were some predictions that were saying, oh, you know, this hurricane could possibly go up way up north and it could hit eastern Canada a lot of projections saying it could go to Florida Georgia South Carolina North Carolina basically the entire eastern states uh, there, there were projections at least one projection uh, for each state saying that it could go there um, so what what's interesting about this tweet is that this was from uh, yesterday uh, or actually uh, 5 p.m. I should say um, and this is the forecast map uh, saying that for the first time, South Florida and the Keys 
are in the cone of uncertainty or basically in essence the pathway for that hurricane uh, so if you guys can see with the image the hurricane is going up it's going to hit puerto rico it's going to hit the dominican republic haiti cuba looks like it's going to go for miami as well um, and you know we're going to be talking a lot about this hurricane just like with harvey as well um, crazy crazy stuff right um, and already we're going to be talking about this later in, in this podcast but irma's already at a category five um, and that is uh, pretty scary um, so another tweet that I want to share with you guys actually as a tweet from my dad uh, if you want to follow my dad on Twitter <laughs> it's at J Newton eight six eight so at J Newton eight six eight from time to time he'll have a really good tweet um, this tweet uh, was actually a post from uh, CBC um, and the CBC was saying that with brexit and after the Trump election in the states it's actually driving university students uh, and more and more of them to Canada uh, but the question is will they stay here um, so that is such a great uh, topic to me um, I, I'm so interested by that um, because I'm so interested in the news and in, in politics um, and obviously I've got my own personal interest uh, being a citizen and, and you know a resident in Canada um, you know to to see the progress that Canada is making these days and going you know, way back, um, to see the culture being what it is now, um, there's nothing that makes me prouder, um, especially having lived in the States. Because remember, those of you guys that know me, uh, but those of you guys that don't, um, I, lived, I used to live in the States for uh, 15 years, really. Um, and in the 15 years I lived there, I, I lived in Atlanta, I lived in North Carolina, I lived in South Carolina. Um, the best place that I lived out of all of those places was Atlanta by far. Um, and you know, what I liked about Atlanta was that it was very multicultural. Um, even though there's depictions of the South, um, I'd never felt that in Atlanta. Um, other places that I lived in the South though, yeah, you, you kind of did feel the, the stereotype, unfortunately, um, but never in Atlanta. Atlanta was uh, a beautiful city. It is a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, you know, if I could live there again, I would, to be honest. Um, it, it is a really nice city. Um, but having said that, um, coming back to Canada after 15 years, um, it was so eye-opening to me to see how Canada had changed from when I was the age of five. So when I was the age of five in Canada, uh, I was living in Barrie, Ontario. Um, it definitely wasn't as multicultural as it is now, but obviously I'm not living in Barrie, I'm living in Toronto. Um, but still, uh, to see um, how multicultural it is in the city of Toronto, um, and it's a microcosm of, of all of Canada, um, it's so awesome to see, um, to see how cultures, um, you know, work with one another, respect each other, um, love each other. It's, it's so rewarding to me. It makes me so proud to be a Canadian and, and to be living in Canada. Um, I, I can't say enough, like it, it's, it's, um, it's truly now showing, 
with an article like this that it, it's becoming a beacon of hope in the world, you know, where there's so much ugliness, so much hatred, and just pure vile, just ugliness um, that you see coming out of parts of the United States, that you see coming out of the United Kingdom uh, against other European countries with the Brexit vote, um, that just the, the pure ignorance that you see. Um, it's disgusting in so many ways, and to be living in a place where it is the exact opposite of that, um, I couldn't be prouder. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I love this article because I, I hope and I think that um, those people coming from the UK and coming from the US um, will, will probably find that as well. I, I really do. I think that they're going to see a society that they can be proud of. Um, and again, you know, hopefully when their time in university comes to an end, that they'll want to stay in Canada, you know, and, and contribute uh, to the society and, and the economy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if nothing else, like just for them to see that experience, like what it's like to be in Canada, um, it, it's, uh, it's great. And it's great to see like it's actually gaining steam and stories on the CBC even. Um, so obviously it's not just something that I've seen uh, in my own personal life. It's something that is being reported now in the news that more and more people are coming to Canada uh, because of the openness, because of the the way that the society is, where you know cultures just have that respect for each other, and, and cultures uh, you know just love each other, and and it doesn't have to be the way that it is uh, in parts of the United States. And I say parts because I used to live there. I know it's not like that in in all of the all of the states. Um, I know it's not like that in, in most of the states, um, but you do have those pockets of people that cling to um, ignorance, I think, um, for nothing more than just the fact that they're just not that well um, educated or, you know, they've been misled. You know, they've, that's the part that probably hurts the most is to see um, certain people being told or believing um, that you know other groups are holding them back which is totally ridiculous absolutely insane to try to believe because um, it's, it's not the case um, we're all in this together in so many ways and you know when you appreciate that and you look at the bigger picture um, it's so much more more rewarding that way um, and it's it's not us against them it's it's not um, it's none of that, you know, um, and, and that article, um, I think, definitely drives that point home, and uh, just seeing that that's an article makes me proud uh, of Canada, and I hope uh, those of you guys that are Canadian uh, listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, feel the same way, because um, I definitely do. Um, if you're an American or uh, uh, a Briton watching this podcast, listening to this podcast, um, you know, hope is not lost hope is not lost for your countries and you know if, if those people coming to Canada see what's what's going on in Canada and, and they take that back home with them um, you know maybe they can become their own beacons for hope in those countries as well um, you know even if you're not in Canada right now you're just listening to this podcast you're watching it um, you know chances are you probably over time will see that you kind of agree with me on, on some subjects some subjects you probably won't but um, you know, if, if you share 
some of the same ideas that I do on a topic like this um, without even coming to Canada. You're already a beacon of hope in your own country. So, um, you know, it's, it's never to say that the U.S. and the U.K. are lost causes. I don't believe that. Um, you know, you definitely hope for the best for both countries. Um, but recent events have caused concern um, for a lot of people, myself included. And, you know, it, it's really that expression of put up or shut up, you know. Um, it's time to see, especially politics-wise, what the people, what the citizens will do to create change in those countries. Um, because clearly uh, the actions that are going on in both countries uh, are just tearing people apart instead of bringing them together, and that never works. Um, that historically is a formula for disaster. Um, and we'll be talking about that a lot on this podcast. It's something that I'm definitely very passionate about, um, as you can probably tell. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing, and I'm very proud to see that uh, for Canada. Um, the other bit of news, this was coming from uh, yesterday, actually, um, was from the WWE, again, going back to wrestling. Um, so the WWE, on Labor Day announced that for the first time ever, uh, their live show on Mondays, uh, Monday Night Raw, will be broadcast live on Christmas night, December 25th, um, and New Year's Day, January 1st. So basically what that means is they are actually going to be forcing their wrestlers, their performers, uh, to work on those two days. Um, and, you know, if, if you're not that familiar with wrestling, um, I can tell you because I am such a huge fan of wrestling that those guys are on the road traveling they might as well be 365 a year man like they, they go out all over the world um, and I, they don't get enough credit for that there's so many wrestlers that you hear about uh, tragedies because of it just like the, the rigors of that type of travel um, there's so many wrestlers that you hear about um you know, they have issues with their relationships because of the constant travel. Um, you know, if they've got kids, like, that's that's hard as well, obviously. Um, it, it's it's rough, man. Like, being a wrestler, is it's not easy um, in any stretch. But, like, this, you want to see something better than this. And I think it was interesting um, to see, like, the reaction to this. Uh, because the WWE made this announcement thinking, oh, you know, the fans... For wrestling, like they'll be so happy because uh, they get to see like a live show on Christmas Day and they get to see a live show on New Year's Day this year or next year, and um, the response was not that. The response was very much like what I was just saying. Like, what? Like, give these guys like a break. Can you not show just like the best of uh, for the year on on that night? Uh, you know, stuff that's already in the can. Just like show uh, the best matches or whatever. Um, why would you have those guys on like the few days where they actually can go home uh, work and why would you announce that on Labor Day like not a good look for the WWE I'm a huge fan of the WWE this doesn't change that um, but it's still disappointing um, you know it's, it's a lot of audacity to make that type of announcement on Labor Day um, and 
a friend of mine on, on Twitter, Mike, at uh, Ravens Mike on Twitter, uh, he asked the one word question that you know all wrestling fans ask with that is why? You know, like, why? Um, so, very interesting. Um, and there is a lot of tweets about this. Um, one of them, again, from Matthew. Uh, he was saying, for the wrestler's perspective, uh, Mr. McMahon, would it be possible to take Christmas Day off to be with my family? And then there was a great gif here of uh, Michael Caine from The Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, and it says, unemployed, right? And so he's playing Scrooge in that movie, uh, and there's a line in that movie where he's just yelling, uh, unemployed. Um, and you know you could probably even visualize Vince McMahon saying that to the wrestler. Um, so really weird timing from the WWE. The the reaction again. This is another reaction. You know they actually announced this on Labor Day. Uh, like the balls that that takes to to do that. Um, on a lighter note, though, uh, as I was saying in the first podcast, like this podcast. Um, in so many ways is inspired by uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, or JRE. Um, I'm a huge fan of that podcast. Um, I have been really since they started, um, and they've been going on for years. They're actually over a thousand episodes now. So um, one, of the, one of the guests that's always on, a, a good friend of, of Joe Rogan's, is uh, Joey Coco Diaz, a comedian. Um, and this tweet actually is a, is a joke, it's a meme uh, based on Joey Coco Diaz because he actually, <laughs> at one point in one of the podcasts, he actually was saying that it's, uh, when it comes to food, it's either blue cheese or go fuck your mother, <laughs> was his quote. Um, so this meme, very, very popular meme, I'm sure you guys have seen it online, um, it shows uh, Joey Coco Diaz uh, staring at blue cheese and beside him he's got ranch dressing she doesn't look happy so um yeah like really really funny meme um definitely capturing that moment uh from an older podcast uh the joe rogan experience uh so as i was saying this show will definitely cover a lot of wrestling um and already we have uh there's more wrestling to talk about because you know last night was monday night raw uh, so some opinions and some some jokes about Monday Night Raw, um, and again, like to be honest with you guys, like when people ask me like why am I still a fan of wrestling, this is why like the humor uh, of of what happens, uh, and and a lot of times like unintentional humor, um, is is what draws me to it still. Uh, it 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 can get so crazy and so unintentionally funny, um, and these tweets kind of show that. Uh, so for those of you guys that saw Monday Night Raw, this will make sense. If you didn't see Monday Night Raw, you'll probably want to skip this part of the podcast because it may not even mean anything to you. Uh, but if you're an old wrestling fan that's just not watching anymore, maybe this will mean something to you. Um, so one of the tweets, uh, all these tweets, it seems like, uh, from WWE Creative Humor on Twitter. Uh, definitely one of the funniest uh, accounts on Twitter when it comes to wrestling. Uh, I highly recommend everybody follow them if you are a wrestling fan. Uh, they always crack me up, and this is no different. Um, so, last night on Monday Night Raw, there was actually the main event featured uh, the big show against Braun Strowman uh, inside of a steel cage. 
Uh, so it was the main attraction, it was the main event, um, and it was it's very much uh, in wrestling what they call like a gimmick match, you know. Um, so this tweet I thought was hilarious. It says, this is so embarrassing for the big show, and he competed in a monster truck match, which is hilarious because he actually did. In the early 90s, he had a match against Hulk Hogan, um, where instead of just being a wrestling match, for some reason this was in WCW, uh, they actually were both in monster truck cars at, on a rooftop, I believe, um, crashing into each other, trying to make the other one fall off of the rooftop. It was so crazy and so <laughs> stupid. Um, but th- this, this uh, tweet kind of says that, you know, like, this is embarrassing for the big show, and he was in the monster truck match in the past. So, you know, that tells you what you need to know about that match. Um, another tweet which I thought was hilarious was it's nice to have a match involving the big show and a cage that doesn't also involve Enzo Amore being coated in baby oil Uh, so that was also hilarious Um, for those of you guys that aren't aware uh, the big show took on another wrestler big cast in a match where another guy Enzo Amore another wrestler was put into a shark cage, so a small cage, and then he was lifted and suspended above the ring so that he couldn't interfere in the match. And what he did was he actually had baby oil, um, I guess, in his pocket. Uh, so I, hopefully it was planned. I don't know why else he would have baby oil <laughs> in his pocket, I can assume. But um, yeah, like he was pouring baby oil on himself to get through the bars of the cage so that he could sneak and jump down uh, only to get booted in the face by Big Cass, but uh, I thought that was a, another funny dig at the WWE and the Big Show. Um, the next tweet, uh, this would send a message to Brock Lesnar. Uh, Braun Strowman actually scheduled in the next pay-per-view uh, to face Brock Lesnar for the, not the WWE Championship, but the Universal Championship. Um, but we all know that Brock Lesnar doesn't watch Raw. Uh, so that's a huge dig. Brock Lesnar, uh, uh, most people are aware of who Brock Lesnar is. Uh, if they don't watch wrestling, it's because you know he was a competitor in the UFC. Um, and with Brock Lesnar, he's currently like what they call a part-timer, basically meaning that he wrestles a very, very unique schedule where a lot of times he's just wrestling like four pay-per-views in the year when they have like at least 12, uh, almost one for each month, sometimes two in a month, Um, and somehow, twice now, uh, they've decided, because of the star, I guess, that Brock Lesnar is, to give him the championship, Um, but he's very rarely on the the shows, and uh, I like that dig because, you know, it's kind of saying, you know, does Brock Lesnar even really care? Like, he probably doesn't even watch the show, which is hilariously probably true um and then the next tweet uh, which i thought was good is that big show without facial hair is the thing of nightmares and i would agree with that uh if you've seen if you watched raw lately you've seen that the big show who used to have like a really really long beard shaved it recently uh clean shaven and he's also bald uh so he looks different um, but they're saying that he looked like the thing of nightmares, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, 
so that takes me to I thought a really great tweet uh, this was a tweet from Jason Overstreet again going back into politics for a second um, it says dear Donald Trump 70% of 320 million Americans are saying this and it's this the hat that Donald Trump usually wears the red hat that says make America great again except it's in blue same style though and it says make Obama president again uh, you know if only you know uh, obviously constitutionally uh, a president can only have two terms um, but I remember as, as the election was going on thinking to myself man if there's any way that Obama could at least continue until we find some better candidates um, you know in my opinion, Obama uh, did a lot of great things in office. You know, in my mind, is he the greatest president of all time? No, but if you look at what he had to work with, um, especially dealing with a Republican majority Congress, uh, he did he did very well in my mind. Um, there's a Vice documentary. It's on YouTube, actually. Um, if you guys look for it, uh, that they did, it was actually a special they did on HBO, uh, talking about the current, or actually it's not current anymore, but how things were when Obama was leaving office and just how the government there, especially Congress, has become so broken um, and how it's remarkable that anything even does get passed in Congress anymore and, and how Obama was dealing with that, how he was trying to work with that. Um, you know, I thought that this had hilarious but at the same time uh, you know it pulls at the heartstrings because I think for a lot of people myself included I would much rather have uh, Barack Obama in office uh, especially more so than Donald Trump right now um, going back though uh, to more WWE creative humor um, this match is sponsored by Carl's Jr. the replays are sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza Raw is sponsored by obesity and diabetes. <laughs> I thought that that was hilarious. Um, because it's true, they actually are sponsored by both of those uh, sponsors. Um, but, you know, if Carl's Jr., uh, Little Caesars Pizza, if you guys are listening, we're still looking for a sponsor for this podcast. We'd love to promote you guys, um, especially now that we're officially on iTunes. So, you know, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on YouTube, Facebook. We can make it happen, right? Um, so instead of making fun of you guys, we could actually promote your products um, at your fine establishments. Wink. Uh, so going back more deep WWE creative humor, uh, Michael Cole uh, was saying, thank you for ignoring your family on Labor Day to watch Raw. I'll see you again on Christmas. <laughs> so again, a dig at the WWE wanting to have people work on Christmas um, I thought that was hilarious um, so moving forward a little bit uh, 14 hours ago so we this is again you know I told you guys this is gonna be a long podcast but for the right reasons lots of good stuff to talk about uh, so 14 hours ago on uber facts uh, there was a tweet that they had that the office of the future project in Dubai uh, features the world's first 3D printed office that took 17 days to print. Uh, so 3D printers are astonishing, uh, just the technology 
and the fact that they actually were able to print an entire office in Dubai uh, in just 17 days with that technology um, is, is incredible. Um, and that, I think, was something really cool that I wanted to share with you guys on the podcast. Um, the other thing I wanted to share with you guys on the podcast, this was a bit of uh, craziness, um, I think, a bit of humor, though. Uh, when it comes to video games. So video games, uh, if you guys follow me on and, and subscribe on uh, YouTube, you'll see that it's not just the Papa John's Brain Droppings podcast. Uh, there's also a lot of video games uh, that I play that I post on YouTube as well. Um, so I'm an avid gamer. I have been since I was a kid. Um, it's, it's, it's another passion that I have is video games. Um, I actually growing up wanted to do animation, computer animation, um, not so much because of video games, but more because uh, as a kid I was watching the first Toy Story movie and uh, just like the graphics and everything about it just blew me away at the time, uh, which is hilarious now if you look at graphics nowadays, but um, it, it inspired something in me that I was uh, interested in. Um, still am, you know, you never know, you're never too old to, to do something different, um, you could always go into that, because um, I do still have that passion, but um, anyways, that's kind of a, a long story there. Um, what was crazy when it comes to video games recently is that uh, Nintendo came out uh, the other day, and they kind of randomly said that it's official, uh, Mario is no longer a plumber. That's pretty crazy. Um, you know, if you've ever played uh, Super Mario, if you've ever played uh, Mario Kart, uh, any of the games featuring uh, the character uh, from Nintendo Mario, like, he's always been associated uh, as a plumber. You know, he's always coming out of the pipes, uh, the green pipes in those games. Um, but there was a lot of reaction to that, obviously. I think maybe this might have been uh, a misstep for Nintendo and everybody on Twitter had some fun with it, so I wanted to share that with you guys, because uh, it's hilarious to me. So, at uh, DMarco tweeted and said, if Mario isn't a plumber anymore, does he drive cars now? Uh, is this what Mario Kart 8 was preparing us for this whole time? Uh, and then he says, it's a me, your Uber driver. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, Another tweet, uh, this one from Sam Biddle, he says, Morio is now a plumbing task rabbit with a GoFundMe to buy health insurance. So apparently things economically not looking too well for uh, Morio. Uh, Atlas, or his Twitter handle is at Hanoten, H-A-N-O-T-E-N, tweeted, holy shit, no one is safe in this economy. (laughs) That one killed me, it still does. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so awesome tweet there. Um, this one was epic. This was uh, the next level. Uh, this was a meme. It says, us, good morning. It's a beautiful day. Nintendo says, Mario is no longer a plumber. And then our reaction. Uh, drinking in the bar, looking so ridiculously depressed. <laughs> uh, so I thought that that was an awesome, awesome tweet there. Uh, that one was from at Jojo has fun on Twitter. A really good tweet there. Uh, going back, uh, obviously, as we were saying uh, yesterday, a huge story uh, was the WWE announcing that uh, wrestlers would be working on Christmas Day 
and New Year's Day. Um, so Brian Max Maxman on Twitter uh, tweeted saying, reason number 34,876 uh, why wrestlers need a union. Um, I can't really disagree with that. The problem, obviously, and wrestlers and fans, I think, acknowledge this, is that wrestling nowadays is almost, might as well be uh, a monopoly. It's, it's one show in town. It's the WWE, right? There is no WCW. You do have, uh, you know, and this is kind of inside wrestling, so if you're not a wrestling fan, you might want to skip this part, but you do have uh, TNA Wrestling, uh, which is now Impact Wrestling, uh, you do have uh, Ring of Honor, um, you do have New Japan Pro Wrestling, so there's other smaller promotions, but none of them at all are even close to the level of the WWE, um, and does that hurt the business? I think so. Um, when I was a kid growing up, there was nothing that brought me more joy than Monday nights. Uh, flicking back and forth between WCW Nitro and watching the NWO do crazy things with Goldberg and Sting, uh, and then flicking back to Monday Night Raw and watching Stone Cold and DX and The Undertaker um, do their thing as well as The Rock, for sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, that doesn't exist anymore in wrestling, and, and you know, they've got a great show on their network, uh, WWE Network, uh, about the Monday Night Wars, which is what they, they call that, um, and it brings you back and it, it definitely shows you that the, the competition uh, between the WWE and WCW, it, it really did bring out the best in both products. Um, you know, um, you watch wrestling nowadays and lately it's gotten better in a lot of ways. There's still some things I think they could improve on, but there's been some stretches there that I've been watching where I've been watching like going, man, like, why do I still, like asking myself, like, why do I still watch this? Um, you know, there's there's been points in time where it's been stale, um, but you know, uh, with what WWE's been doing recently with their draft with Raw and SmackDown, uh, SmackDown has become just an unbelievably good show. I actually like I prefer SmackDown to Raw now, which I never thought I would, uh, but just with the talent they have there, uh, AJ Styles, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Owens, um, the list goes on and on. Uh, just great to see the talent, number one, because all those guys can wrestle their asses off. Um, but just to see the development of those guys and to see those guys like reach new heights. Um, you know, disappointing to see what's going on with Baron Corbin on SmackDown. There's a lot to that, which we'll be talking about later on the podcast. But um, yeah, like SmackDown Live since it started, since that first initial draft that they did, uh, that's been my show. Uh, I still watch Raw, but I, the characters on Raw, like, I just don't connect with. Like, I, I don't really connect with Roman Reigns. I don't really connect with Braun Strowman. Um, the Big Show. I honestly was watching that match last night to give you my honest take on it, and I was thinking to myself, like, why is The Big Show still wrestling, man? Like, I hate to say it, but even, like, the attraction of him being a giant, like, it just, it's wearing off, and you can kind of tell that just um, storyline-wise, they don't really have that much to work with for the Big Show, and they haven't for quite some time. 
to me the last time the big show was enjoyable to watch was you know 2005 2004 when he was taking on Brock Lesnar um, since then you know um, and, and you know with Raw interestingly with Raw um, the superstars that I actually do like uh, guys like Seth Rollins Dean Ambrose um, those guys aren't getting pushed they're kind of like stuck in the mid card um, which it's hard to watch because for me you you're drawn to those characters because you know for different reasons um, but for them not to be used as main eventers to, for them to be used as like mid-card wrestlers which means they're wrestling in the middle of the show um, I think it's just like a waste of talent um, you would hope that the writers would have better storylines for those guys but you know that's just me um, but yeah so I would agree with that I, 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 I do think that if the wrestlers had it their way they would love to have the union um, it's just unfortunately for them they work in an industry where there's really just one show in town the WWE and that makes it pretty much impossible for that to happen um, then there was a response to his tweet saying uh, that there actually was a union um, and this is poking fun at a faction that they had a group that they had in the WWE um, I believe in the late 90s I don't think it was the early 2000s but it was a short-lived short group uh, it was a group that was around I think maybe for like a month maybe two um, and it featured uh, it featured the big show actually ironically enough it featured Mankind uh, Mick Foley it featured Tess uh, and it also featured Ken Shamrock. Uh, so a weird mix of, of characters, uh, probably why that group didn't last that long, but there actually was a union in the WWE at one point. Uh, so going further into uh, Monday Night Raw, uh, another tweet from Matthew, he was saying that first they added the guitar to Jason Jordan's theme, now they've added vocals. Uh, his theme music has had more development than he has um, and I totally agree with that tweet it's hilarious but I think it's also true they've just kind of thrown Jason Jordan into the storyline uh, where he's Kurt Angle's son um, and that's pretty much it they've just kind of left it at that like oh you know he's Kurt Angle's son and they're throwing him in, in higher and higher profile matches uh, last night he actually took on John Cena um, it was the opening match, but still, um, yeah, like it was, uh, I, I definitely agree with that statement. Like his theme music is getting more development than he is as a character storyline wise. Um, the other bit of news which came out uh, for the WWE was recently uh, JBL leaving SmackDown uh, for personal reasons. Uh, and a lot of people were saying that the replacement for JBL should be uh, Canada's own Renee Young. Uh, Renee Young actually started with the score in Canada uh, before she went over to the WWE. Um, she was saying to that, you know, while I truly appreciate all of the support on this, I would just like to remind everyone that I was never very good at commentary on a smaller show for WWE called NXT. But um, yeah, I, I kind of think she's selling herself short there. She's always been, I think, a really good commentator she always does the pre-shows for WWE and the way that she hypes things I think is out of 
all of the commentators except maybe Corey Graves. I think she does a remarkable job. Um, ironically enough, Corey Graves is going to be the replacement for JBL, but he's he's pull, having to pull double duty. He's doing Raw and SmackDown. To me, if it was my show, it would have been awesome to give Renee Young that spot. Um, it would make her, to my knowledge, the very first uh, female announcer um, on a major wrestling show, at least in the modern era. Um, I don't ever recall even going back to like vintage footage of the 80s uh, ever seeing a, a female commentator. So, you know, that would have been an awesome opportunity. Who knows? Hopefully it's not out of the cards. Um, but for whatever reason, the WWE chose to go with Corey Graves for both shows. I can't really blame them with that either. Corey Graves does an awesome job. He is uh, very passionate about wrestling um, as a former wrestler himself. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what develops with that. Um, Uberfax, so moving away from wrestling, uh, Uberfax tweeted out, according to a study, one single workout with weights can immediately enhance long-term memory by around 20%. And I read that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because... For me, uh, for the last two or three years now, uh, I, I've made it a routine every day when I wake up, going downstairs to the gym, exercising. Um, I'm pretty fortunate the uh, apartment that I live in uh, has a gym downstairs, uh, but I take full advantage of that. Um, and I, I love doing it um, because you know it's, it's good, it's always good to work on functional strength, I think. Um, but also just like what I found and the more and more that I find out about it is the benefits just mentally uh, to physical exercise. It, it, it's not just about trying to get bigger. It's not just about um, you know your body shape necessarily. It, it's, there's more to it and I, I do see that uh, just for myself personally. Like every time that I'm exercising, it's a great way to relieve stress um, and just it, it chemically in your brain it, it has to do something I know I've, I've watched a lot of uh, as we're saying Joe Rogan's podcast where he's had guests on talking about that type of thing and that stuff just fascinates me man like I, I love that stuff um, and in a lot of ways it's just like further motivation for me to continue to exercise every day um, just because the benefits are so good and you know it feels good I know there's a lot of people out there probably watching the podcast or listening uh, that don't exercise regularly um, let me be an example guys like it's worth it you know I, I know because there was a time where uh, I, I wasn't that physical you know I wasn't exercising all the time um, and you won't regret it I, I can tell you guys that like you will feel better not just physically mentally as well um, and, and you just have more confidence too when, when you're exercising you feel better in every way and um, I know if you're not exercising regularly when you first make that huge leap of faith and, and you start going into it you do get sore um, I, I definitely remember when I you know two or three years ago when I was starting to exercise again um, you know that first week or two you do feel some stiffness some soreness but the key to that you know, warm up before, warm up after uh, your exercises, 
uh, to minimize any type of risk of that, any type of risk of injury. Um, mobility exercises, um, you know, it's hilarious because you hear it all the time. People talk about yoga, people talk about uh, different ways to move their body, uh, to stretch. Um, to me, like that is just as important, maybe even more so than, uh, than the actual exercises themselves sometimes. Um, just to be able to move yourself to get that mobility um, is, is so important. And as you get older, especially, uh, you can only thank yourself, your younger self, uh, for, for doing that. So um, I'm a huge advocate for, for physical exercise like that. Um, me, personally, more so for, uh, for functional strength. Um, I know some people do stuff like CrossFit, uh, yoga, um, hot yoga, different things. Um, but for me, uh, I do, you know, at least a day of mobility exercises uh, just to stretch everything out. Um, but throughout the rest of the week that I'm doing, like, physical exercises with weights, um, you know, I, I constantly work on, you know, warm-ups, uh, I guess cool-downs, you might call them afterwards, or I just call it, like, another warm-up after I, I exercise, um, just to stretch everything out, you know, to reduce the chances of injury and stuff like that um, and you feel good and you, you feel great um, it's it's something that you know if, if you're watching this or listening right now uh, if there's one thing that you take away from this podcast um, you know among the many other things uh, it's it's that you know exercise can only be a good thing you know um, and I highly recommend it uh, so that brings us to a major talking point uh, that I wanted to talk about on this podcast. Um, and if you survived this first hour already, God bless you. Um, if you're just kind of fast forwarding through the wrestling stuff and you're just like, man, like this guy's talking way too much about wrestling on this episode, I feel you. Uh, we're going to be talking more about news and politics right now. So, uh, specifically with North Korea, and as we've been talking about the last few podcasts, North Korea is just one of those stories that is not going to go away. It's something that I'm sure we're going to be talking about for quite some time. Um, there's a tweet today. Uh, Vladimir Putin out of Russia says that tougher North Korea sanctions seem senseless and warns of global catastrophe. So Putin, uh, just like China in my mind, uh, is, is playing this role of agitator. I think to the rest of the world um, you know you never know what's gonna happen the way things play out in the world stranger things have happened you know you think about history you think about uh, Franz Ferdinand and how that started a world war um, you know my deepest fear with this whole thing um, with North Korea and I, I don't feel shy sharing this with you guys you've probably you probably put this together just from the first two podcasts but my deepest fear with North Korea is not North Korea itself my deepest fear with North Korea is what Russia and China are doing uh, I fear that depending on how things play out there's a possibility that we could see Russia and China and North Korea forming some type of access, if you want to call it that, like access and allies with World War II. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, you know. Uh, China, I think, is taking a more uh, reasonable approach. 
I know I kind of slammed them in the last episode, but at least they're not coming out with what Russia is saying, with what Putin's saying, uh, because what Putin's saying is just pure agitation, and I find it um, so, so ridiculous and pathetic that Vladimir Putin's coming out saying this about North Korea when with what Russia's doing in the Ukraine right now. Give me a break, man. Like, what you're doing in Ukraine uh, is fucking ridiculous, you know? Um, because you believe that your country should be so much bigger than it already is, and it already is the biggest country in the world. Um, because you're so broken that you want to have uh, the rest of Eastern Europe that left you back. Like, fuck off, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, uh, Vladimir Putin is playing the role of heel, we're talking about wrestling, playing the role of heel well, he certainly pissed me off with a comment like that. Um, you know, in a way, despite what North Korea is doing, he's coming off more as a villain than Kim Jong-un. Uh, you know, there's, there's a saying that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I think Vladimir Putin should take that advice um, because you, he really truly looks like an asshole saying something like this when he's his country's in the Ukraine, you know, and before that, uh, you know, when he was in the KGB, uh, their version of uh, CIA um, or CSIS for, for Canadians, um, you know, they were in Afghanistan, the Russians. So, I mean, who the fuck are you guys to tell other countries how they should respond to these mistakes? And it's like you're trying to rile up a war. You know, that's what bothers me the most about what Vladimir Putin's saying and doing here. It's like he's trying to rile up a war when the rest of the world, including China, by the way, is trying to find diplomatic solutions, right? There's really like three hotheads in this situation that scare the hell out of everybody. Number one, Kim Jong-un. Number two, Donald Trump. And number three, Vladimir Putin, right? The rest of the world seems pretty in line. The rest of the world just says, you know, can we not handle this with diplomacy, right? Um, because what you're talking about is humanity. What you're talking about is people's lives, millions and billions of people's lives potentially at risk should this thing turn into a nuclear war, should this thing turn into just a war, should this thing turn into a thermonuclear world war between major powers in the world, right? So, you know, you read shit like this from Vladimir Putin and you have to be agitated, you have to be frustrated. If you're not, I don't think you're paying attention. Um, just fucking nonsense, you know? Um, obviously, we're earning our explicit um, rating on, on iTunes with language like that, but this is Papa John's brain droppings and it's unfiltered guys like I'm not going to filter myself when it comes to how I feel about those comments from Vladimir Putin I think they're totally fucking insane and you know what I would say to Vladimir Putin if he's listening if he's watching I doubt it but if he does at some point um, you know look in the fucking mirror man look in the fucking mirror look at what you're doing in the Ukraine and then come back and tell us how the rest of the world should deal with North Korea like, you know, go fuck yourself, really. Like, give me a fucking break. Um, but that 
brings me to the point I made in tweet form. Uh, Russia and China scare me more about this whole situation than North Korea itself. So just reiterating that point, right? Um, that is the ultimate fear that I have right now about this whole situation. It's not North Korea. It's not Kim Jong-un. It's what the fuck is going to happen if Russia, China, North Korea form like some type of axis group against the rest of the world. Um, you know, there's only, I believe, eight or nine countries in the world, including North Korea now, that have nuclear capabilities. Um, you know, Russia's definitely a major one. China's a major one. North Korea also. So out of eight or nine countries in the world, out of, you know, however many, 256 or however many countries there are in the world now, it's constantly going up. Um, out of those eight or nine, three of them are playing for the other team, potentially, if that's the scenario that plays out. Whew, that would be uh, some. That would be some end of days Armageddon type of shit, and hopefully that doesn't happen. That's my greatest fear about all of this. Um, hopefully I'm worried about nothing, like I was with my. Earlier, uh, but, yeah. Craziness, definitely craziness. Not the last that we'll be talking about this by far. There's a lot of stuff about this. Uh, so Steve Lindsay from CBS tweeted out uh, through the Associated Press in Moscow, uh, the Russian President Vladimir Putin calls for talks with North Korea, warns against whipping up military hysteria. So he's playing both sides against each other. He's coming out saying one thing, then he's saying the other. Right? He's saying, you know, it's foolish for Americans to want to seek diplomacy, and then he's saying that the rest of the world should seek diplomacy with North Korea. Like, make up your mind, you know, because obviously you're playing some type of sick fucking game with the rest of the world. Um, I think the rest of the world is catching on to that. I think the media and journalists are definitely catching on to that and trying to make it as publicly known as possible that this guy, Vladimir Putin, is a dangerous motherfucker, and the shit that he's doing is just... You know, um, and believe me, we'll be talking about so much about Vladimir Putin in future podcasts, I'm sure. You can't not talk about him or Russia these days in one form or another. Uh, so another tweet, uh, this one from Will Ripley on, at CNN. Uh, he was saying that Putin compares North Korea to Iraq under Saddam Hussein. Uh, we should not forget, and North Koreans should not forget, what happened in Iraq. So again, just stirring the pot, just being a, a real fucking prick, uh, Vladimir Putin here. Like, honestly, just shut your mouth, man. Like, how the fuck do you think you're helping matters with bullshit talks like this? You know, you're not. You're really not. So just shut the fuck up, I think, would be the advice that the rest of the world, especially me, would give to you. Um, and again, just kind of reiterating, reiterating my points, uh, again, I was just saying, this from the guy that invaded the fucking Ukraine. Uh, this guy is truly a James Bond villain. And I, I stand by that, man. Like, the shit that this guy says, the shit that uh, Vladimir Putin does, um, he even looks like a James Bond villain. Like, this guy is a scary fuck. Um, you know, he's just trying to start World War Three. it seems like. That's my opinion. Um, then we've got what happened uh, last night on Monday Night Raw. So as shitty 
as it was uh, the match I'm talking about and, and the show. I wasn't that great of a show last night. Um, it was interesting to see what happened uh, here. So uh, if you saw that, Braun Strowman just took the big show, who's 450 pounds, I believe now. He's lost a little bit of weight. Tosses him into the steel, ch- steel I was going to say steel chair. Tosses him into the steel cage, and it actually broke the cage down because of the weight of it. Obviously, just like when the ring collapsed, staged, planned, um, but it still has that shock factor. It still has that effect on you. Like you're watching, you're just like, what, what did I just see? You know, it's like when uh, Mick Foley as Mankind was taking on the Undertaker in the '90s. I think even wrestling fans, uh, people that aren't wrestling fans, know this. Uh, you know, he, he was thrown off of the Hell in a Cell cage, the steel cage, uh, into the announce table. He flew, whew, like, 25 feet in the air before landing in the table. Uh, that was that was one of those moments, you know, and, and that's what wrestling a lot of times provides you. It's just like those weird, shocking moments that even though you know it's staged, still... You know, it's like special effects in movies. Like they still capture your your imagination. They capture your interest. You're like, whoa, what did I just see? You know. Um, and more breaking news when it comes to North Korea. Obviously, this isn't breaking now. This is from 14 hours ago. But uh, Germany, uh, Germany's leader uh, Merkel, uh, said that North Korea's nuclear tests are a flagrant breach of international conventions. So obviously condemning what uh, North Korea has been doing with their tests. And Scott Thuman uh, tweeted out that President Trump calls uh, Germany's Angela Merkel to discuss possible reaction to North Korea's hydrogen bomb test. Um, So again, this is just my view, but I think it's a view a lot of people share. Uh, you look at Vladimir Putin, man, like uh, what he's accomplished by helping to get this guy, Donald Trump, elected. And let's be fair, uh, do I believe that Russia uh, influenced the election at the very least, let alone possibly may have hacked the election? Time will tell with the investigation. I do think that at a minimum, uh, they influenced it uh, by, as ironically enough, as Trump would call it, putting out fake news. Um, but, you know, at the same time, to be fair, Hillary Clinton, in my opinion, was not the strongest candidate from the Democratic Party. I believe Bernie Sanders was. Um, I thought that Hillary Clinton, uh, when she was running, her whole campaign just seemed to be, oh, I'm a woman, I would be the first woman president, and that was basically it. Or, you know, eventually when Donald Trump became her competitor, it was, you know, I'm the lesser of two evils. Well, if those are the only things that you're running on, you know, and then you've got your own scandal going on with the emails, uh, just the balls that that takes, the lady balls that that takes to um, to stay in the election. Uh, you know, it came out what happened with the Democratic uh, Party holding back Bernie Sanders in favor of Hillary Clinton, like some shady shit going on with that. Um, you know, honestly, Bernie Sanders would have been the better choice. I know a lot of people look at him and say, like, he's too liberal. Um, my political views, in case you can't tell from the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, it's like moderate, slightly liberal. 
Um, I, I don't consider myself to be completely a liberal, but socially, I, I, I tend to take liberal side on, on a lot of issues. Uh, financially, I tend to take more of a conservative approach. But um, yeah, just going back to Vladimir Putin, um, this is the world that he's helping to create, right? By helping to get somebody like President Trump in office, the distance that that's created between the, what, what was, in my opinion, two really strong allies in the US and Germany to create that friction, to create that separation um, between those two powers is, is at play here. You know, and I, I tweeted that, you know, like that meeting because Trump and Merkel clearly just in public, you can see it. They don't get along with each other. Uh, you know, that had to have been awkward. You know, uh, Putin has truly done. And this is where I would give this idiot credit. He's done a masterful job of straining that relationship between the U.S. and Germany and not just the U.S. and Germany, but the U.S. and their other allies. You look at, you know, we're, I'm in Canada right now. There should not be in the world two bigger, stronger allies than the U.S. and Canada. They go together like peanut butter and fucking jelly, right? Uh, I know that because I've lived in both countries. But under this jackass's presidency, you know, the bullshit that he's, he's spewing, uh, oh, you know, we're going to renegotiate NAFTA. We're going to end NAFTA. We're going to renegotiate NAFTA. Like, he's so all over the fucking place that it's created so much uncertainty in Canada that Canada has said, and this has been smart from Justin Trudeau, uh, you know what, fuck you, Trump. We're actually just going to talk to the governors in the individual states about trade. So even though they're currently still renegotiating NAFTA, uh, Canada's kind of taken a, a stronger approach and said, you know what, fuck off, Donald Trump. We don't need you as a middleman. We don't need the federal government's bullshit. We're just going to individually talk to states and get deals done. And that's what they've done. And I think that uh, Trudeau and the premiers in the different provinces of Canada deserve credit for that. I think the governors in those states that know how important trade is with Canada, uh, they all deserve credit because they're putting um, the people's interests ahead of politics, where Donald Trump is using uh, NAFTA as like a, a wedge issue. He's using it as a way, just like with race in the states, um, just to deceive people and make people play off against each other as if the reason why things are so d difficult for them in their lives is because of somebody of another race or because of somebody from another country or because of another country um, as opposed to the fact that trillions of dollars uh, are, are made from NAFTA for both countries for both you know for companies on both sides and so many companies uh, you know work in both countries. Uh, so many people have family and friends in Canada and the US. And when Canada and the US can't even get along, um, you know, you've got to be wearing the most rosy shaded fucking glasses to still believe that Donald Trump is a good president right now. Um, I have no doubt in my mind uh, that the guy is a fucking nut job. His administration is fucking pathetic. Like, they leaked everything. Uh, they've got the most shady fucking ideas, uh, the most disgusting rhetoric, uh, the most vile, racist bullshit that I've ever seen. Um, forget about the U.S. government. 
I believe in any fucking government in my lifetime. I don't remember seeing the type of shit that's going on um, in the U.S. right now. The good thing is, is that as broken as the government is, um, and it, believe me, the government's been broken before Trump got in there. Um, that's part of the reason I believe why some fools elected him. But uh, you know, at least right now, it looks like there's always that chance to hit the reset button. You know, there's a 2018 election. There's going to be a 2020 election. Um, you know, there's a guy, and I want to promote the hell out of this guy. Uh, some of you guys watching this podcast right now may not know who the fuck I'm talking about, but you will, hopefully. Uh, there's a guy who was the mayor of San Francisco, Gavin Newsom. He's been a guest on Bill Maher's show Real Time uh, quite often. And uh, he has always been on the right side of issues. He's been on the right side about marijuana. He's been on the right side about gay issues. Um, just the most controversial shit, he's always been on the right side of history. Um, and there is nobody on the Democratic side that I would like to see more uh, run for the office of presidency than Gavin Newsom. Uh, so if you don't know who Gavin Newsom is, look into it, look him up, because I guarantee you guys he is going to be a factor in the future, whether it's 2020 or 2024. I was so happy to hear on Bill Marsh, uh, recent, one of his recent shows, that Gavin Newsom is taking a step. He, he was mayor of San Francisco, then he became lieutenant governor for uh, the state of California. He is now in uh, 2018 going to be running for the office of governor of California, uh, which is awesome. Uh, there's a history of governors uh, becoming presidents, uh, especially governors from California, um, and that would be probably the best thing that could possibly happen for the United States. You know, um, from the outside looking in, I would love to see somebody like Gavin Newsom become president. Uh, the sooner, the better, um, because his—if you've ever seen him—and I would recommend people. You know, specifically check out uh, shows that he's been on on, on Bill Maher on YouTube. Um, the way that he articulates issues is phenomenal. Uh, like, I've always been a fan of, of Barack Obama. I was when he was a senator before he even ran for president. I was, just like with Newsom, I was hoping Obama would run for president. Um, and I was so thrilled when he did and, and won. Uh, but I have that same feeling, maybe just a little bit stronger, with Gavin Newsom. Um, I, I think that this guy is the ultimate breath of fresh air. I think that this guy um, and his wife, his wife is a force of nature, man, uh, in, a, in a good way. Uh, such a strong political mind as well. I wouldn't be shocked if she runs for politics in the future, uh, both of them, uh, but especially Gavin Newsom. Uh, I just feel like he is the shot in the arm. He is the, the help that the U.S. needs to fix itself um, because I just look at what's going on in the U.S. right now and it makes me so upset and so sad and so angry and, and frustrated because I'm literally just watching a country that I used to live in that I love just falling to shit, um, absolute shit. Like what Donald Trump has been doing in the last seven to eight months uh, to the United States is nothing short of a fucking catastrophe. And to those 36% or however many of the fuck people still approve of the job that he's doing, like, what the fuck are you watching? Um, and and what, 
world, what country do you want to be living in? Because that's not the country that I think the majority of Americans want um, by any stretch. Um, and, you know, if you still buy into his shit, man, you're a fool in the worst way. Um, there's very few good things I can say about Donald Trump or his presidency right now. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I try to take the moderate approach to the issues. Um, you know, if, if you guys, if we were starting this podcast, like when Trump first took office, or even during the election season, uh, you would have seen that I, I, I was open-minded, you know. Um, I wanted to give this guy a chance. You know, he won the election. Um, how he won it is in dispute. It's being investigated. Uh, but he did win it, you know. Uh, so, you know, you want to hope for the best. You know, you don't want to see a country fail. Um, but I, I do believe that that's what we're witnessing right now, is we're watching a country die. We're watching a country fail, um, not just because of one fool, not just because of Donald Trump, but I believe the timing of Donald Trump's presidency, along with the Republican Congress that is so fucking broken. That Republican Congress, to me, is worse than the President of the United States right now. Um, they can't pass a fucking thing. Uh, their views on how things should be run are so split and so fucked up. Um, I don't know what special interests have tapped into those guys, but they are definitely not, in my mind, uh, the view of most American people. Um, I think that they steal votes because they make people believe certain things, like uh, you know that they're blue collar, but they're not blue collar, man. Like if you're a middle class person or poor in the states and you're voting for the Republicans, you just got fucking bamboozled. You just got fooled. And I know the Democrats aren't really that much better in a lot of ways. Um, you could argue both parties are bought and paid for by corporations, but fuck, man, just look at what's going on right now in the states, and uh, you see it. You know, you see it in its worst ways. Uh, I still believe and hope that uh, everything can still be corrected, but whew, the last uh, nine months, pretty depressing. Uh, but, you know, off on a tangent there, let's go back to uh, the show in a little bit more uh, with these tweets. Uh, so Reuters tweeted out, uh, Germany's Merkel says urgently need more sanctions on North Korea. So uh, that's the diplomatic angle that the world's taking, right? That more sanctions should be taken on North Korea. Obviously, Germany is supporting that. Um, another tweet that came out from Uberfax today uh, saying that today nearly a quarter of U.S. students are immigrants or the children of immigrants and that's projected to go up to a third by 2050. And when I saw that tweet, you know, that's the part of me that wants to believe that things will get better for the U.S. despite who's currently in office, but I couldn't help but poke fun at Donald Trump and say, well, not if Trump has his way. And it's kind of as a joke, but in a way there's a bit of a dig there because I just don't approve with what he's doing uh, socially in the United States right now. Um, 
another tweet, and actually we talked about this yesterday in the podcast, uh, Piers Morgan, who used to be a host on CNN, uh, tweeted out again saying, I'll be co-hosting his Good Morning show in the UK tomorrow with three broken ribs. Uh, So for the more fragile snowflakes among you, this is called manning up. Uh, So obviously with a tweet like that, the amount of ignorance that, that, you know, is shown is incredible. Um, But sure enough, there was a reaction to it and a strong reaction to it. Uh, Juliet actually tweeted uh, back at Piers Morgan, I gave birth twice with no drugs and tore open the packets of stitches to sew me up with my teeth as there was a staff shortage. Uh, and then she has the hashtag woman up. Um, so I thought that was pretty clever. Um, there was another tweet. Uh, this is actually from his own co-host, which is hilarious. Uh, she was saying, I have to work with you. Hashtag woman up. Uh, so I thought that that was uh, very funny. Um, again, this has been a pretty heavy show about wrestling. Uh, this is a, an indie show, I believe, where there was a wrestler that was given uh, the U.S. flag and he just kind of had a, a botch there. He just kind of messed up and tripped up on the ring apron. Uh, some more going back to North Korea and, and uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, and actually, this is more Vladimir Putin with the U.S. Uh, Putin today came out talking about his relationship with Donald Trump saying that it still has hope, but he's not my bride, and I'm also not his bride or groom. So, again, like, to me, who the hell says shit like this, especially in in politics? Um, This guy, to me, is truly like a James Bond villain. Like, the stuff that this guy's saying, just alone what he's saying today, um, just the crazy, crazy shit... um, that you're hearing from Vladimir Putin. Uh, It continues, though. So this was an awe that he said today. He says, It's hard to continue dialogue with people who mistake Australia for Austria. Um, So this was actually an insult that Russians had for Americans before with George W. Bush. Um, And he's not saying it specifically for Donald Trump, but he is saying it about the administration, about Congress, Um, I'm sure behind closed doors that's his opinion of Donald Trump as well Um, but again like that's the weakness that you're seeing from Donald Trump and these people that support him I would love to hear their opinion on how is it that Donald Trump doesn't at least tweet because he loves to tweet um, anything about this because he's slamming your country he's slamming the American people saying that they don't know the difference between Austria and Australia Um, that's also like a Dumb and Dumber reference, right? So, I mean, that's grow some balls and respond to that, you know? Like, you're going to let somebody, another world leader, put you down, put Americans down, put your whole country down that way, and label the entire country as just a bunch of idiots that don't know the difference between Austria and Australia? You know, that's your president that's Donald Trump right Um, so Putin went on to say uh, that the US establishment is poorly educated Um, and 
you know, again, it makes me wonder, like, how pathetic is Donald Trump? How much of a puppet? I know he was claiming that he's not a puppet. Um, how much of a puppet does that make Donald Trump that he doesn't respond to this? That he's just going to sit there and take those insults about his country, you know? Um, Putin went on to say, and remember, it wasn't that long ago in this podcast alone, where he was quoted as to say that there should be diplomacy between the rest of the world and North Korea, he also comes out and says, sanctions will change nothing on North Korea. Only those who mistake Australia for Austria demand sanctions. So again, jabs to the Americans, again, uh, you know, just pure craziness being spewed from the mouth of Vladimir Putin. Um, Putin also says that if the U.S. sends weapons to the Ukraine, no one knows uh, where the Russian forces will redirect their weapons in this case. So, you know, a veiled threat there. And again, as I was saying before, like, that's my fear is what happens if you get like an Axis group uh, of Russia, China, and North Korea formed? Uh, taking on the rest of the world like that's a nightmare scenario and this guy is basically playing that up you know you know veiling a threat saying that you know he might supply weapons possibly to North Korea if the US supplies weapons to the Ukraine total insanity um, so just to recap uh, the war a possible war with North Korea for launching missiles and testing nukes that's bad to Vladimir Putin but invading Ukraine, uh, that's perfectly reasonable to Vladimir Putin. Uh, to a much lighter subject, talking about sports, uh, John Morosi, uh, who's an awesome sports reporter, uh, especially for baseball, uh, but he also sometimes delves into uh, hockey. Uh, if you don't follow John Morosi on Twitter, I highly recommend him. Uh, he was saying that the LA Dodgers slide that they've had recently has dropped them to a 672 winning percentage uh, and that puts them on pace for the third best record in franchise history after the 53 and 42 Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, so to me that's still an extremely elite class. You go back to 1953 uh, that was a Brooklyn Dodgers team that also included uh, the legendary Jackie Robinson, who's one of my heroes. Um, you know, like, that's putting them in a pretty elite class, in my opinion. Uh, another story, which we kind of talked about yesterday on the podcast, is a recent sale of the Houston Rockets. Um, it's remarkable because of the price tag. It's remarkable because of uh, you know Hurricane Harvey that just recently happened in Houston. Uh, but they sold the Houston Rockets uh, to a billionaire, Tillman Fertitta, I guess that's how you pronounce it, uh, for an NBA record sales price of two point two billion with a B dollars. Um, and to me, my response to that is I'm thinking, you know, that's pretty crazy considering the big contracts, especially recently, that the Houston Rockets have signed players to. Um, and it makes me wonder if this new owner thinks that there's a shot that the Houston Rockets might have because of the other talent that they've accumulated, that th maybe they've got a shot 
because he's paying a pretty big price tag, uh, maybe he's got a shot to try and bring in LeBron James uh, when he becomes a free agent, or you know, if if Cleveland decides to trade him, uh, should you know the shit hit the fan with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Um, we haven't really talked about that because the trade happened way before this podcast got started, but. That trade uh, of for Isaiah Thomas and uh, you know obviously they were trading away Irving. I know Irving wanted to leave, and there's a reason why Irving wanted to leave. Um, and I, I actually am on Irving's side on that issue. Um, but just the panic button that Cleveland pressed making that trade, uh, I don't think it's going to work. And I think that the trade actually makes both Boston and Cleveland weaker teams. And as a Toronto Raptors fan, that actually excites me because I know a lot of, uh, of the experts are saying that the Toronto Raptors are projected to finish sixth in the Eastern Conference, still in a playoff spot, but way lower than they have been in the recent past. Um, I think that's so disrespectful to the talent that the Raptors have. And I think that with this trade between Boston and Cleveland and with the injury to Thomas apparently, uh, this creates a real opportunity for the Toronto Raptors, forget about sixth place or second place, I believe that they've got the ability to challenge for the first spot. And call me crazy, call me like a diehard Raptors fan, but, um, you know, look at what they have now. You know, they've got Kyle Lowry back, they've got DeMar DeRozan, uh, they've got the big man now for a whole season as opposed to just a few games before going into the playoffs. So they're going to learn to play with each other um, and I believe uh, that they could be one of the strongest teams in the East. Now, at the end of the day, does it matter? Because you're going to go to the NBA Finals, you know, if, if you make it there, and you play Golden State, there's no way in hell, like as big of a Raptors fan as I am, there's no way in hell that the Raptors could even maybe even take like one game, let alone four, in, the, in an NBA Finals matchup against Golden State. I honestly think... The only obstacles that Golden State might face would be San Antonio, because uh, you should never count out Greg Popovich. He's, in my opinion, uh, the best coach in sports history, period. And I know that's a lot, saying a lot, but that's how highly I regard Greg Popovich. Um, you can never, ever uh, discount what Greg Popovich does. Um, Houston, maybe, maybe a challenger to Golden State, but I really do feel like San Antonio, the Spurs, you know, they had the injury to uh, Leonard uh, in in the playoffs last year uh, when they when they took on Golden State. I would love to see San Antonio healthy against Golden State in the seven game series. I honestly think that that's the only team in the NBA right now that could beat Golden State. If Golden State doesn't have to play San Antonio in the playoffs, if Golden State beats San Antonio in the playoffs, I believe it's their championship to lose next year. Uh, but for the Raptors, uh, this is an interesting opportunity. I could see the Raptors uh, taking advantage, maybe making it all the way to the NBA Finals, uh, where they would lose to either the Spurs or the Warriors. But at least they made it there, right? Um, might be a pipe dream, but that's honestly how I feel about the Eastern Conference right now in the NBA. Uh, so going back to politics for a second, uh, Thomas Hornall tweeted out, 
now well into their 90s, a staff which helped uncover secret Nazi communications gathered at a British World War II code-breaking headquarters in Bletchley Park. Um, and Douglas Hunter uh, tweeted back at that, you're probably wondering why we've gathered you all here. Well, the fucking Nazis are back. And, you know, you look around the world, but specifically, you look at the United States recently, and I think everybody's still in shock at the uh, audacity of these people, these white supremacists, these Ku Klux Klan people, these uh, Nazis, that are coming out and actually they've got the balls publicly to hold these fucking rallies and rile people up like uh, just fucking ridiculous stuff like stuff that you would never want to believe would be possible in the year 2017 but it's happening and I thought that that was a pretty funny tweet uh, talking about that another interesting tweet uh, from Mikel Gillette uh, was saying that Americans who are proud that Trump is their president 26% Um, and that number continues to drop. Uh, Americans who support mass deportation, uh, 26%. And Americans who think the sun orbits the earth, 26%. Uh, So I thought that was hilarious because, you know, it goes to show you that with surveys and polls, the more people that you ask, it seems like you're always going to have that 25 to 35% of people that are just absolute batshit crazy or maybe they're doing it as a joke, maybe they're doing it to be a contrarian, uh, they're taking that option which is just like crazy, batshit crazy, right? Um, so I thought that was a funny funny tweet. Uh, David Axelrod uh, tweeted out, and we're going to be talking about this a lot in this podcast, uh, about uh, what happened today with uh, DACA, um, and that's dealing with the dreamers in the United States. Uh, David Axelrod, for those of you guys that don't know, he was the uh, campaign strategist for Barack Obama, his run for president. Uh, He was also a a part of the White House administration as well. Um, He tweeted out, as the son of an immigrant, as a believer in America's founding principle of liberty and justice for all, I hashtag stand with dreamers. Um, I do too, Um, and, and I'll be talking about that a lot in this podcast, but I thought that was a good way to start into the subject. Um, In an unrelated note, again, with these brain droppings and tweets, sometimes it's not always, you know, in the right order necessarily, but that's what makes the show fun, in my opinion. It bounces back and forth. Um, The New York Rangers announced a major announcement. Um, Two of, uh, two really good players, uh, two players that I enjoyed watching uh, growing up, uh, Brian Leach, um, who was one of the best defensemen I've ever seen play the game. Um, I remember when the Toronto Maple Leafs traded uh, with the New York Rangers to bring Brian Leach in, and just the few games that he played, in the, uh, I believe he also played a few games in the playoffs too for the Leafs, just watching like the crisp passes that he made from the blue line up to the forwards, just incredible stuff. So um, I'm really happy to see Brian Leach get this opportunity with the Rangers. He's going to be, along with Brad Richards, another good player, uh, one of the hockey operations advisors for the New York Rangers. And obviously, you know, the New York Rangers uh, won the Cup with Brian Leach in the, the early 90s, uh, one of the most storied franchises in the, in the National Hockey League. You're talking about 
an original six team. Um, so, you know, very happy for Brian Leach and Brad Richards. Um, and it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they do. Uh, it, it's a fun time in the NHL right now uh, to see players that you grew up watching and you, you, you know, idolized and loved watching to see play. Uh, for me, my favorite player of all time, Joe Sackick, uh, to see him go from being the elite player that he was uh, to the general manager for the Colorado Avalanche, uh, that's been awesome to see. Uh, so to see this now with Brian Leach, uh, this, is, this is also uh, interesting. And uh, you know, I wish him all the best, and it'll be interesting to see if he can help get the New York Rangers back on track uh, as one of the elite teams in the National Hockey League. Uh, so, another tweet from Matthew about wrestling. Uh, this was one based on, again, what happened last night on Raw uh, with Braun Strowman. I thought this was pretty funny, so I wanted to play this for you guys. God, that was hilarious coming out of my cage and you know the big shows getting tossed out of the cage and uh, Mr. Brightside but they were saying this is Mr. Bronside Braun Strowman so I thought that was pretty clever um, again like people ask like why I still watch wrestling stuff like that uh, like the unintentional stuff that's funny the viral memes and stuff that comes out of wrestling uh, I just find hilarious so I thought that was also uh, pretty funny that clip might get us kicked off of YouTube so uh, if for some reason you didn't see the clip uh, with Braun Strowman and uh, Mr. Brightside, Mr. Brightside is probably what got edited out. Um, I definitely recommend you guys uh, check it out uh, on my Twitter at the John D Newton um, on Twitter, um, and you guys can watch that video if you want countless times because it is hilarious. Um, but again, bouncing back, another brain dropping uh, with Hurricane Irma. Um, as we were talking earlier about Hurricane Irma, the path now is looking a little bit more predictable. Um, it's looking like it's going to go um, in the path of Cuba. It's looking like it's going to go in the path of Miami, Florida, and other parts of Florida. Um, and unfortunately, it's strengthened into a Category 5 storm. Um, so, you know, it is hurricane season. Uh, but it's 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 uh, scary to watch, especially after what happened with Hurricane Harvey, uh, to see what what's gonna happen, uh, you know. And I think everybody's thoughts, prayers, well wishes, are with uh, the people in those areas. Um, you know, Category Five. That's that's some pretty scary stuff with the hurricane. Um, but yeah, continuing to talk about Hurricane Irma. Uh, there's a tweet here by Ryan. He's tweeting that you know Hurricane Irma just entered beast mode. Um, you know with the winds, the the fact that it's a Category Five now, um, and just this image of it, it looks like uh, a monster. It looks like when you see the dark red, you know that that's not a good thing. Uh, you know it looks like something from a sci-fi movie. It looks like uh, you know the perfect storm or 
you know, something like that, where it's just like, uh, you know, it's scary just to look at the image, let alone imagine the the destruction and the the power of that hurricane. And this was a satellite view of Irma uh, uh, from Keith Monday, uh, who's a local local news at WSOC nine. Uh, he's saying that as a category five, this now has winds of up to one hundred and seventy five miles per hour. And you look at that satellite view, and it, it is some scary stuff looking at that. And uh, some interesting information uh, that I wasn't aware of, uh, tweeted out by Philip Klotchbach, uh, hopefully I'm not butchering that name, um, but he's saying that Irma is the 17th hurricane in the Atlantic on record to have maximum winds of 175 miles per hour. Um, so the Atlantic max wind record is actually Hurricane Allen which was in 1980, uh, that speed was at 190 miles per hour. Uh, so I did a little bit more digging, because uh, when I, I heard that, I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, what I found was a really good tweet. Um, it was a follow-up, actually, uh, from Phil again. Um, and it was a table of all of the 17 Atlantic hurricanes with max winds of at least uh, 175 miles per hour lifetime. Um, and at the top, just as Phil was saying, Hurricane Allen, 1980, maximum wind speed of 190 miles per hour. You go down, Irma is 17th, 2017. Uh, 175 miles per hour, um, which, you know, 17, you're like, okay. Um, but this is where it might scare you guys. Uh, if you go up on this chart, and I know you can't really see it too well, but if you go up on this chart, 2005's Hurricane Katrina, which I know everybody still remembers because of the devastation, um, that hurricane also had maximum speeds of 175 miles per hour. So, you know, let that sink in. That's that's what we're dealing with here. Um, so pretty scary situation. Um, another tweet about Hurricane Irma from Eric Holtas, um, or Holthas, um, not sure if that's the correct pronunciation, uh, but he tweeted out that Hurricane Irma is so strong it's starting to show up on seismometers in the Caribbean. Uh, and that's equipment that's, you know, seismometers, seismographs. You're talking about equipment that's designed to measure earthquakes, not hurricanes, earthquakes, but that's how powerful these winds are. Um, that, is, that is really, really crazy. Um, so that brings us back to uh, the DACA program being rescinded today. And to me, uh, first of all, how it was delivered was disturbing. It wasn't delivered by Donald Trump. He didn't have the balls to come out and announce it himself. 
which again says everything you need to know about the guy. Uh, he had Attorney General uh, Sessions come out uh, to announce that this program is being rescinded. Um, and to me, it's disgusting that Trump can't even uh, announce it himself. He doesn't have the balls to announce it himself. Um, and it's even more disgusting to me that this the whole idea of this program is that it allowed for those immigrants to trust in the government enough to give them their address, thinking that there's no way that the government would hunt them down with this. Thinking, you know, not even that thought not even entering their mind. But that's what makes this so particularly cruel in my mind. Um, is that it, it's kind of like you have a carrot dangled in front of you and then it's taken away but the carrot not only is the carrot taken away but it's possible that the US government might also remove these people um, who I, I think it was Obama that said this somebody said this and I, it rang true to me people that in their hearts in their minds they are Americans because they've grown up living there almost their whole life um, the only thing that doesn't make them American is the paper, is the passport. Um, and I, I think that that is uh, such a great, eloquent way of putting it. Um, and, you know, to see all of that just be torn to, to shit by Donald Trump and Sessions and this administration is just more, you know, if you didn't know better, you would just feel like this guy's just a professional troll. Like, everything that he's doing just continues to piss people off. Um, and this is no different. Um, but unfortunately, uh, this impacts, uh, I believe, 800,000 people's lives. Um, and I think the perspective that the U.S. needs to have on this, which they don't, is they never think about how does the rest of the world view that, right? people that could potentially go to the United States as they would like legally, um, what country are you promoting? You know, um, is this a country that you think people want to go to? Maybe it was, maybe it still has the potential to be, but the way that country's being run right now, um, I used to live in the States, right now I'm glad I don't. Um, and I mean that in every sense um, what they're doing now is is uh, you hear that phrase it's un-American but uh, there's no better way of putting it what they've done today by rescinding this DACA program uh, is, is so un-American uh, but Sessions did officially announce that the program is being rescinded and he had a press conference for it where it should have probably been uh, Donald Trump. That was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. The DACA program was implemented in 2012 and essentially provided a legal status for recipients for a renewable two-year term, worker authorization, and other benefits including participation in the Social Security program uh, to 800,000 mostly adult illegal aliens. The policy was implemented unilaterally to great controversy and legal concern 
after Congress rejected legislative proposals to extend similar benefits to, on numerous occasions to this same group of illegal aliens. So that was what Sessions had to say um, about this move. Uh, needless to say, and I think you guys can tell from what I was saying earlier before I showed that clip, I do not agree with, to be honest, uh, almost like a single word that just came out of his mouth. Uh, I, I think that it is, uh, again, un-American, this move. Um, there's a few more tweets that we're going to talk about. Uh, this actually became an interesting subject, especially for this podcast. I know we're an hour two now, and again, thank you guys for, uh, for sticking with us. Um, this became an interesting topic uh, because there was a lot of interaction, particularly with me on Twitter, about this topic because it's a, it's a, it's a topic that uh, I'm obviously passionate about um, and there's other people on the other side that also have, you know, I would say a, an equal level of passion uh, about the same issue. Um, and, and that's what's interesting, and that's why I love Twitter, is that it allows for you to interact with people. And I think that that's so important that, uh, you know, you, you look at situations with an open mind, um, that you listen to people that don't necessarily agree with what you're saying, or don't have the same opinion as you do and you you know you make choices you make decisions you form opinions and ideas based on that um, I, I think that that's the beauty of, of something like Twitter is it always used that way no unfortunately sometimes it resorts to just like name-calling and stuff like that but um, sometimes you'll see the better side where you know you just hear two arguments of, of an issue and you you know are able to form an opinion for yourself. Um, so that definitely is the case here, and I'm excited about that because that's really the first time that that's happened on this podcast. So um, that's going to be coming as, as we go deeper into this subject. Um, so Vivian H. Yee uh, tweeted out, there's lots of concern about ICE uh, in the States. That's the immigration, uh, that is immigration in the States, basically. Uh, using DACA application data such as addresses and names to go after those individuals. Um, she followed up with that by saying that uh, ICE is saying that they won't proactively get that data to target DREAMers but can get it for national security or criminal investigations. Um, for me, I responded to that right away. I said I call bullshit on that. Um, when you have access to that type of data, um, I think more and more people lose faith in government because they've seen this happen before. They've seen corruptness in government. Uh, you've seen corruptness with police officers, right? Um, it's not made up. It's not just something you see in movies or TV shows when they plant evidence. They plant drugs on people uh, you know, to create a case against them. It's no difference here, right? Because what they're saying is all they have to do is make a claim that it's for national security reasons or for criminal investigations uh, that they need access to that information. Is there, 
that big of a barrier for them to break through? I don't think so. Um, you know, just like with police officers, they could plant the evidence to make a case that it is a national security concern, to make a case that it is a criminal investigation, even though it may not be. And that's what is so troubling about this to me is, is that um, I read that tweet and instantly that's what I thought and instantly I tweeted back my response uh, out there to the world. You know, I, I call bullshit on that. I don't, I don't have that faith in government to be able to control itself uh, with access to that kind of information, unfortunately. Um, so Vivian continued, she was saying that they won't say what the plan is if Congress doesn't act in six months. There's no way to know what we'll be doing in six months. Um, my response to that is that it seems like the government doesn't know what the fuck they're doing these days. Um, and I know a lot of that is pointed at Trump's direction, rightfully so. I think a lot of that is pointed at this do-nothing Congress, and I think that's rightfully so. Ideally, come 2018 with the elections, I would love to see the American people just flip out everybody that's in Congress right now, um, because in my opinion, they're all a waste of taxpayers' dollars. What have they done? You know, you've got a Republican majority in the House, you've got a Republican majority in the Senate, you've got a Republican president. And yet, what have they actually passed in legislation? I know Trump's done a lot of executive orders, um, but what have they actually passed in terms of legislation? You know, they've promoted for so long what they were going to do with health care, they did nothing. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. They want to do tax code reform and all this other shit. Uh, they haven't done anything. And, and it's no wonder. Look at the people that are represented, uh, are, are representing you in those states, you know, in those areas um, for the representatives. If that's the best that America has to offer, that's a scary situation. Um, because it, it's, it doesn't seem like the brightest group, um, obviously. Like if, you, if you're a party that has a majority and you can't pass legislation, that's ridiculous. You know, people point a finger at Barack Obama and they'll say, oh, you know, what was he able to accomplish in office? Well, that's not a complete question. The question is, what was he, be, what was he able to complete in his time as president with a Republican majority Congress and a Republican majority Congress that wasn't always willing to work with him on issues. Um, what is Donald Trump's excuse? It's his fucking party that's in power in Congress, and it's the American people that are suffering as nothing fucking changes except, unfortunately, uh, for the worst, these social issues. You know, and, and this DACA issue is is one of them. It's literally put the government in a position like it's unbelievable that a government body like ICE is saying oh we don't know what's going to happen six months from now that's how fucking crazy the United States government has become under Donald Trump and under this Republican Congress so you know if something passes in Congress it doesn't seem like even ICE has faith in that um, and rightfully so what the hell has Congress passed um, lately, and by lately I mean, fuck, you could go back five years. Um, Donald Trump tweeted out, 
Congress, get ready to do your job, DACA. Uh, so I responded to that. I was saying, like, is this a call to action to fix your mistake, Donald Trump's mistake? Is this your way of rallying the country together against you, right? To me, that's pathetic. Like I say, he's got a Republican majority in the Congress, in the House and in the Senate, right? Your only way of rallying all of those people is to rally against you because you rescind a program and force them to make a decision about that? What the fuck kind of leadership is that? Like, to me, that's absolute bullshit. Um, But, you know, there's that 26% that thinks that he's doing a hell of a job. Um... Going back to sports for a second, and again, like that Houston Rockets story is still in the news uh, because of the record-setting price tag for the new ownership group, $2.2 billion. Uh, Bobby Marks tweeted saying, uh, somewhere ownership in Brooklyn is smiling this morning after the Houston deal. But I say, you know, in my mind, I don't equate the Houston Rockets with the Brooklyn Nets. For one thing, their current rosters are not on the same level. You know, the Houston Rockets went out and they spent and they acquired uh, a much stronger team to build around James Harden. Um, The Brooklyn Nets, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And unfortunately for the Brooklyn Nets, a lot of their draft picks were traded to Boston. Uh, So it's it's not like the Brooklyn Nets can even rebuild themselves anytime soon. And if you just look at, like, historically... The Houston Rockets have had a really strong team in the past. The Brooklyn Nets really haven't. Uh, So this brings us to the interaction part that I was so excited about for the show, because this is really the first time uh, that we've had this type of interaction on Twitter. Um, So Linda on Twitter uh, was tweeting at me, uh, based on my comments on DACA, she was saying, uh, that's what happens when we elected a community organizer whose idea of utopia is Chicago. And my response to that was, well, I didn't know that Obama ended DACA. So a bit of a dig back, right? Dig at me, dig back at her, um, because Obama did not end DACA. That was a decision that was made by Donald Trump. That was a decision that was made by his administration. That's a decision that Donald Trump and his administration have to wear forever. There's no going back. If Congress doesn't do anything uh, about DACA, that leaves Trump in that position. So while he might think on the one hand, well, you know, by doing this, it's going to force Congress to do something, you know, he thought the same thing about health care. And, you know, the U.S. is still in a mess with their health care. Nothing passed. So, um, you know, I don't understand how he thinks this will be any different, especially in in the House. I do believe that there's enough sensible people in the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, uh, that could pass a type of Dream Act, but I doubt very highly that the House of Representatives could pass anything about this issue because the group of individuals that you have in the House representing the majority are, you know, People like Ted Cruz, people like Paul Ryan, uh, people that are not that open-minded and that 
have views I think that run counter to the majority of Americans so you know I that's that's the issue um, on a bit of a lighter note uh, Madonna uh, recently tweeted out uh, an image of herself looking frustrated looking exhausted um, and saying uh, when you've been arguing with FedEx all week that you really are Madonna uh, and they still won't release your package hashtag bitch please uh, so I thought that that was uh, pretty funny um, William Ham Bevan tweeted uh, back saying uh, using Madonna's lyrics uh, get into the groove boy you've got to prove your identity I thought that was hilarious um, horrible singing, I know. I apologize in advance, but I felt like if I just read that, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been as funny. Um, so yes, you can uncover your ears now. Um, so going back to DACA, DACA, um, I tweeted a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't remember getting the types of responses that this has generated, and it, it's been interesting to see other people's perspectives and. Um, you know, even by, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll put in humor and I'll jab back a lot of times, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I, I discount their opinions um, or that I'm not interested in their opinions, because I am. I, I do consider myself open-minded when it comes to that, and I, I am interested to, s to hear people out. Um, so, uh, Government Mule uh, tweeted back at me, uh, and that's Trump's fault. He's not the one that told them, sure, it's fine, Nothing's going to happen. Now vote for Democrats. Hashtag DACA. Uh, so I tweeted back, it's his decision to end DACA. So yes, he gets to enjoy the fallout from it. He gets to wear it. Um, the U.S. should be more concerned about how this looks to potential immigrants coming into the U.S. So that's the point that I made earlier, and I won't beat that to death. But I really do feel like that's really what the U.S. should be looking at is how does the rest of the world feel about these actions that have taken place? And I also responded back again saying, you know, it's also his decision, uh, like with healthcare, to just drop an issue on Congress's lap without a clear vision of his own. And again, another jab, another dig at Donald Trump. Um, another interesting thing outside of politics, this is with sports, uh, I believe last night, um, there was a sports reporter that apparently was supposed to be somewhere else, but he was filmed uh, on the sidelines at the end of a game, um, and it was hilarious, um, well, I'll show you guys the, the video, um, but Stephen J. Wilson tweeted this this video and he was saying when you tell your girl you're at the movies with a friend but you're really at the game and he saw the look in his eyes you see him turning away looking at his phone he knows he's caught he knows he's on camera um, I thought that was pretty funny and I even responded to that saying oh shit time to leave um, Donald Trump tweeted out earlier today, going back into politics, I'm allowing Japan and South Korea to buy a substantially increased amount of highly sophisticated military equipment from the United States. So, 
my brain dropping on that, my opinion, uh, nothing like the threat of a nuclear war uh, to become an arms dealer. Hashtag art of the deal. So again, a jab at Donald Trump. Uh, going back to DACA though, uh, Linda responded back to me. She was saying, uh, Obama made promises he couldn't legally keep, um, which, you know, I can acknowledge that because, you, you know, from Obama's perspective, you, can, you can't necessarily foresee what the future will be, who the next president would be, what they would enact, what Congress would enact. But I would say this, if memory serves me right, when Obama was working towards uh, DACA, he did so mostly because that was the temperature in Washington. He did that mostly because uh, both Democrats and some Republicans in Congress said that something needed to happen for those people. That was the, that was the way the world was at that time. So, you know, perspective sometimes helps with these issues, but that is my opinion of that. Um, and, you know, I acknowledge that. I say, well, you know, let's see what Congress will do. Lately, their, tr their track record is not that great. Um, so, you know, that's my level of faith in the U.S. Congress right now. Um, Government Mule responded back to me as well. So, you know, some in-depth conversation going back and forth, which is good. Um, really great for the podcast because this is the first time that we're doing this interaction like this. Um, he said uh, maybe that's because it's Congress's job to establish law. After all, that's what got DACA people into this jam, POTUS making up laws. Uh, so I can't argue with that. I, I agree to that. Um, I agree with that, actually. Um, you know, it doesn't change the fact that Donald Trump is also, uh, has continuously been issuing executive orders. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do agree with that. And, and you can't disagree with that. It is Congress's job to legislate, to create laws. That's what they get paid to do, allegedly. You wouldn't know it based on what they do do. Um, but, you know, I, I just added, you know, I don't have much faith in Congress in that regard. You know? Um, let's see them actually do something. Would be nice. Um, then there was this crazy story about uh, a girl that met somebody on Tinder um, and apparently she got caught in a window and she was using bags apparently because uh, she was stuck for so long uh, to let's just say alleviate um, anything that was in her bowels um, and what happened was they actually created a GoFundMe uh, and this person tweeted, live, uh, tweeted back, uh, this is the greatest GoFundMe I've ever seen. Get this person a new poo window. Uh, the window apparently broke. Uh, I don't know exactly why. Uh, the story is online if you guys are interested. I just found it as like a, just a quick, you know, funny bit of humor, uh, something that I wanted to talk about on the podcast really quick. So, uh, yeah, it was really bizarre. Um, uh, going back, uh, a friend of mine on Twitter, uh, Ravens Mike, was, was tweeting to somebody else, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, Sitting and talking on YouTube isn't a real job either. Uh, so I just responded back to him, oh shit, <laughs> as a joke. Because um, obviously we're, we're starting off the podcast, so uh, this is 
uh, right now uh, the main job that that I'm doing um, and you know I don't regret it I, I enjoy doing it man this is a passion uh, it must be I've been talking now for two and a half hours and you know there's still so much more to talk about um, so moving on going back to politics Sean Spicer uh, who was the uh, press secretary, for some reason I had a, a brain fart there, uh, press secretary uh, recently for Trump's administration, uh, just announced today, uh, now that he's no longer working with the administration, uh, that he will be working, speaking of jobs, uh, with uh, Worldwide Speakers Group. Um, so, you know, he was able to find a position with those guys, so um, it'll be interesting to see the future for Sean Spicer, he's obviously excited about that opportunity, so, you know, all the power to him. Um, going back to politics with Joe Biden uh, tweeting out, uh, brought by parents, these children had no choice in coming here, talking about DACA. Uh, now they'll be sent to countries they've never known. Cruel, not America. Uh, so I thought that that was a really... Uh, really strong message, uh, right tone uh, from Joe Biden. Um, one of the few politicians out there that I, I do respect. There's some shady stuff with Joe, Joe Biden uh, for his time as a senator, um, but uh, overall, uh, I do have respect for Joe Biden. I do have respect for Bernie Sanders as well. He tweeted out uh, after AP Politics tweeted. Uh, about the uh, DACA program, he tweeted, America is strongest when we come together and reject uh, xenophobia. Congress must permanently protect dreamers and reject Trump's bigotry. Uh, that is definitely the hope right now uh, of many Americans and uh, you know, those dreamers as well. Uh, on the flip side, a senator that I really don't have that much respect for, uh, Rand Paul, tweeted out that President Obama's executive order was illegal, but somehow the executive orders that Donald Trump has been doing, those are perfectly legal. I don't understand that logic at all. Um, however, this is a real problem we should solve in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, so I would love for them to do that. That's what they pay those guys to do. Um, it would be nice if they could pass something in Congress for a change. Um, Senator Mike Lee tweeted out saying DACA was an illegal abuse of executive power. Again, I don't understand the logic of these Republicans. Like, maybe they're playing to people that aren't that well informed. Um, but if you are paying attention to the news, you know damn well that Donald Trump has been issuing executive order after executive order, and Republicans have been standing behind him, literally in pictures, applauding these executive orders as they pass fuck all in Congress. Um, and then they're going to bitch about an executive order, one of the few that Barack Obama did in comparison uh, to Donald Trump. Uh, it's fucking mind-blowing. There is no logic to it. It's just fucking insane, and I guess you have to be that insane to be in a party that will accept the values of Donald Trump these days. But um, anyways, he was saying the president cannot unilaterally, unilaterally uh, rewrite the law. 
Again, you don't seem to have that many issues with Donald Trump attempting to do that with his executive orders. I seem to remember a certain Muslim ban uh, executive order. Just saying. Um, and my response to that tweet was, well then, you know, let's start by passing things so they don't have to. Uh, hashtag do nothing Congress. Uh, on the flip side, another uh, person that I respect in Congress, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, tweeted out, my message to dreamers, we see you, we stand with you, and we will fight to ensure that you can stay in the country you call home. Uh, Chuck Schumer, I don't have the same level of respect for Chuck Schumer, but um, he said, the human and economic toll of rescinding DACA will be far-reaching. Democrats will do all we can to prevent uh, the president's order from becoming reality. Elizabeth Warren tweeted out saying, turning our backs on dreamers makes us weaker, makes us less safe, and betrays our values. And a tweet from uh, Michael Nige, uh, he was saying that in response to DACA's end, the head of the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, uh, Javier Palomares, resigned from Trump's National Diversity Coalition. So just like uh, after what happened in uh, Charlottetown uh, with the business leaders leaving Trump's uh, group there, uh, this individual resigned uh, from the D Diversity uh, Coalition. So sending the message uh, not just to Trump, but to the public that, uh, you know, unlike what uh, Nixon said, that because the president does something that makes it legal, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that people need to agree with it. And I, I think that that show of force um, was interesting, especially the way that he did it, or not. Uh, so this video doesn't appear to be working, but again, if you follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash thejohndnewton, um, you guys will be able to see that tweet. Uh, it's a retweet from uh, Carol Costello of Headline News on CNN. Um, basically, he resigned not by writing a letter to Donald Trump, he resigned on air on the show. Uh, so even more forceful, even more meaningful that way, I think. Um, and really a good message uh, to send to somebody that I don't think un totally understands um, the consequences of a decision like that. Um, the next thing I want to show you guys is an interesting thing I saw on The National on CBC about uh, Russia's media and how they blame Donald Trump uh, for escalating tension with North Korea. Uh, so I'm gonna play this clip for you guys. I think this is some pretty interesting stuff. The Russian talk show host probably spoke for a lot of people here when he said every time that North Korean TV announcer is on the screen, he gets freaked out. It's like the missiles are already on their way, he says. The tense showdown has spooked North Korea's neighbors, including Russia, where some border residents actually felt the shaking from the latest nuclear test. 
Russia's Kremlin-friendly media, most of the blame for the brinkmanship is heaped in the United States. Popular host Dmitry Kisilov told his audience it's actually the U.S. that's the destabilizing factor. President Trump has made so many threats that to not start a war would mean a loss of face, he said. Kisilov slammed what he called the president's short-sightedness by insulting countries such as China and Russia that could help. Following North Korea's latest nuclear test, President Vladimir Putin wrote on his website, the Korean Peninsula is balancing on the verge of a large-scale conflict. The Korean crisis overshadowed what was supposed to be an economic summit today in Xiamen involving both China and Russia, where the Chinese reacted angrily to the U.S. president's musings about not trading with any country doing business in North Korea. China is Pyongyang's biggest trading partner. At the UN, China, which has so far backed repeated resolutions against North Korea, has not said they will support the latest U.S. call for yet more economic sanctions on North Korea. In Russia, though, there appears to be little interest in that. The message from the Kremlin is sanctions have failed, and it's time the U.S. started direct talks. While China remains the neighbor with the greatest influence on North Korea, Russia has been trying to increase its prominence and reputation as the crisis has escalated. Russian officials claim whereas the U.S. has used threats and bluster, they've emphasized diplomacy. And another interesting clip I saw on the National, on CBC, uh, actually was in regards to how cities can learn from uh, the flooding uh, that took place uh, for Harvey. Um, some pretty interesting stuff here. Uh, that's why I wanted to share it with you guys right now on the podcast. Harvey dropped a record amount of rain, but some wonder if the result had to be so bad. Houston is the largest U.S. city with no official zoning laws. It's also one of the fastest growing. For years, experts warned this meant trouble. Just the amount of urban development in the past few years has been has been phenomenal. So that means you know you've got you've got roads, you've got pavement. The water cannot 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 get away. By building over a vast network of prairies and wetlands, Houston created a massive drainage problem. We've covered our sponge up. The sponge that we had here was wonderful. The effects of climate change have laid that bare. Fixing the problem could take a dramatic change in how cities are built and whose interests they serve. For more on this, I'm joined by Jim Schwab. He is an urban planning consultant and former manager of the American Planning Association's Hazards Planning Center. He's in Chicago. Mr. Schwab, so much rebuilding will now take place in Houston. What should happen this time that has not happened up until now? We have to ask some tough questions. Uh, you know, one of the tough questions has to do with the role of uh, climate change and anticipating some of the kinds of impacts that we can expect to see in the future. Uh, Harvey is perhaps just a harbinger of, of some of the kinds of things that are going to be happening uh, on a number of coastal communities. And we need to find ways to integrate the impacts of climate change, the projections of climate change 
into the planning process for our community. And how difficult has it been to convince residents and local officials, politicians, to enact the kind of change that is needed? There's still a reluctance on some levels to even discuss climate change. Yes, a lot depends on where you're at. Uh, there are parts of the country where there's a, an acceptance that this is real, this is something that we have to deal with. Uh, there was a good deal of incorporation of these issues in New York City, for example, uh, even going into Sandy as well as after Sandy. On the other hand, uh, it must be said, Houston three times in the last 20 years has rejected zoning and referendums. It's a very difficult issue to advance. The drainage, our stormwater drainage systems in almost any city in North America would have trouble with 52 inches, but it's even more problematic when you've allowed a lot of those natural systems to be degraded. Would you advise Houston now to change completely the way it rebuilds and not allow development in, uh, along the, those floodplains? Yeah, I, you know, in a response to Harvey, which is only a week old, obviously, we've seen a number of, you know, heroes responding to helping their neighbors, that sort of thing, and that's great, but as we move to the recovery phase, we're going to need also some other kinds of heroes that I would call public policy champions who are going to have to be willing to ask those hard questions. Can we sustain this kind of land use pattern in a city that is vulnerable to hurricanes that can dump 50 inches of rain? Uh, are we willing to look at zoning? Are we willing to re-examine subdivision regulations? Are we willing to uh, implement plans for various kinds of what we could call green infrastructure, mm. preserving those natural systems like wetlands and you know, floodplain areas and, and so forth, and urban tree canopies even? Mr. Schwab, important discussions ahead. Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, so again, very interesting conversation. Um, this is not the only city, Houston. I know there's um, Miami is an example. Uh, th there's so many cities around the world, uh, even Toronto, uh, parts of Toronto, looking at ways to develop parts of the city to protect itself from extreme flooding. Um, just an interesting uh, topic, uh, especially given, you know, recent events, um, you know, you hope that the people that make those decisions, you know, do so by looking at the science and, and exactly what he was saying, um, you know, for the right reasons, try to make those developments. But um, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a subject that you'll probably hear more and more about as time goes on, um, especially considering uh, the damage of, of uh, Harvey before that Katrina. Um, you know, who knows what Irma's going to do, um, you know, the importance of uh, planning for these cities, especially in those areas where hurricanes are more likely to hit, uh, it's vital, honestly, it's vital for those people's survival, it's vital for the, that city to be able to thrive. Um, it, it's a, a really, really interesting subject. Um, going back to uh, Billionaire Mindset, another really good tweet that he had, uh, he was saying, no matter what happens in life, keep a good heart, a heart of trust and patience. Don't let the darkness of some people harden your heart. Um, I, I, I love that message. I think that's uh, very well said. There's nothing I have to add to that. Um, 
then we've got this. So Sarah Huckabee uh, talking about DACA and saying that the president wrestled with this decision all throughout the weekend. Uh, so that is also on uh, my Twitter feed uh, at the John D Newton on Twitter. Um, so you know if you guys want to see that, you guys can uh, view that tweet as we approach almost three hours of this podcast. Um, you know I don't want to play that clip entirely, but the fact that she was saying that the president wrestled with this decision throughout the weekend, it was just the weekend that he wrestled with the decision. Uh, I think disappointed and frustrated a lot of people. Rightfully so. Um, she went on to say that it's Congress's job to legislate. It's not the president's job to create law, which is true. As we've been saying throughout this podcast, it is Congress's job to pass legislation to create law. Um, but you know, you also have to wonder, like, well, what are what exactly are you doing in your role as an executive, um, other than so far showing that you can be an anarchist? by creating questions where even ICE says in six months from now, we don't know how we're gonna be operating when it comes to the dreamers. Like, that is pretty crazy stuff. Um, Tal Copen tweeted out saying, it's sort of amazing how the White House is pitching ending DACA as a job-saving move when the business community almost 100% supports it. Uh, ben Jacobs tweeted out saying Sanders is now attacking Democrats for politi- politicizing DACA. Um, she was saying that you can't allow a motion to govern Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, and I just say to that, well, clearly, um, based on how these guys are running things. Um, Caitlin Huey Burns tweeted out saying, how does, po- how does the president... Uh, how does a decision show heart as he promised uh, by allowing an orderly process to take place is what Sanders says um, and I just you know asked the question like orderly like I don't think so um, Peter Baker tweeted out for the New York Times asked about rescinding the ACA program the White House press secretary says it's not cold-hearted for the president to uphold the rule of law so I say, you know, it would be nice if he had discussions with Congress before setting off these bombs all the time. You know, like the Muslim ban. Uh, Jennifer Epstein tweeted out, the most heartless thing uh, the press secretary says is that she's seen today uh, that Democrats like uh, Nancy Pelosi are fundraising off of Trump's decision on DACA. Uh, so I just tweeted out, uh, Obviously, that's a ridiculous statement, but I just responded to that saying, you know, I'm glad we're measuring politics on which party is more heartless. Uh, the depths to which the U.S. government has sunk to now, you know, shake my head. That's, it's ridiculous. Uh, so a friend of mine on Twitter, at uh, Raven's Mike, uh, going way, way back, I don't know if you guys remember this, but saying that, you know, it's not a job to be talking on YouTube um, he was he was joking around with me. He was saying, you know, I mean, you know, it isn't in a way, lol. If you're just sitting there vlogging about your day, that's not work at all. Uh, so I was saying, you know, you're killing my new gig, man. Uh, I know what you mean, though. Um, so, you know, it's it's for me uh, when it comes to to this podcast, uh, it's a passion. It's something that I'm I'm really looking forward to doing continuously. 
um, obviously, you know, when you're talking for three hours, uh, there must be a lot of passion there. Um, and it's paying off, you know, like I love the support that everybody's giving. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, we're progressing so quickly, uh, becoming an official podcast on iTunes. Um, you know, this, this thing is going in the right direction and, you know, it has more to do with you guys, the viewers and the listeners than it does with me. And, you know, words can't say enough how much I appreciate that. Um, but going back, uh, I was talking earlier about wrestling. I was talking about Baron Corbin. And for those of you guys that don't know, uh, Baron Corbin uh, was in the middle of, of getting what's called a push, or basically he was getting elevated to be uh, the world champion, the WWE champion. Um, that fell through. And apparently, you know, there's been lots of rumors about why, um, but it came out today uh, that he had a meeting uh, with t- with other talent, apparently with a doctor backstage, a doctor employed by the WWE, and they were debating uh, the impacts of uh, CTE, concussions, um, on football players, because Baron Corbin used to be a football player before he joined the WWE. Um, and the doctor was basically saying to Baron Corbin, oh, you know, the movie Concussion with Will Smith, all of that is just, you know, it's not true. And Baron Corbin was disagreeing with that. And apparently, uh, the latest rumor from the uh, wrestling is, is that that is the apparent reason why uh, Corbin's push was kaput, was, was, was taken away. Um, and I think, to me, you know, if that's true, uh, I, re- I really feel bad for Baron Corbin. Uh, because this it's ridiculous, and I think Corbin is 100% right to have his views that way, especially um, somebody that used to play football. I think that actually adds even more weight to his argument. Um, and, you know, that it kind of shows the ignorance of the doctor, the ignorance of the WWE as well. So, um, yeah, you know, like I um, kind of went off a little bit on this because it, it kind of bothered me. I, I still think... Um, that the WWE should have had uh, Shinsuke Nakamura beat Jinder Mahal. Um, I, first of all, I, I love the push that they've given Jinder Mahal. I think it's awesome. I might be in the minority in that, but uh, uh, it's so awesome to see somebody that nobody thought anything about in the past uh, get elevated into uh, like the classic foreigner heel role of like the Iron Sheik um, and do so well. Um, I, I love seeing how ha- you can tell even though Jinder Mahal's a, like a bad guy in wrestling he's like a heel um, you can tell that he's happy uh, with how things are going and, and he's earned it man like he's truly put himself in that spot um, that being said uh, the WWE championship it makes superstars but I feel like Jinder Mahal with that championship has been made a true superstar I don't necessarily feel like he needs the championship just to be who he is, um, you know, I, I think it might have been better to have the fans get like a glimpse of hope with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura winning the championship at least until Baron Corbin would cash in uh, the Money in the Bank, bank contract that he had uh, and then beat Shinsuke Nakamura and take away the title and therefore take away the hope from the fans and instantly get that what they call heat or that anger that frustration from the crowd, the booze, basically, from the crowd, uh, that would, it, it would do a lot of things. Like, first of all, I don't think it would take anything away from Jinder Mahal, number one. 
Number two, it would instantly make Shinsuke Nakamura one of the biggest uh, you know, fan favorites on SmackDown. Um, and it would also, like, fans would, be, would have an interest in somehow Shinsuke Nakamura getting the title back. And number three, it would really help put uh, Baron Corbin over. It would really make him a bigger star. And they decided not to do that. And I still think that that's, that was a huge mistake. They had, like, the perfect storyline uh, just like on their lap and they just moved it away and if it's just because of what happened between Corbin and that doctor I think that's that makes it even more uh, frustrating as a fan um, so again you know we talked about it earlier but uh, I was I was still in shock I kind of still am in shock that we are now an official podcast on iTunes and I just tweeted out uh, and it's also on, on Facebook uh, as well, facebook.com slash pjbdpodcast. Uh, you know, the email from iTunes saying that we are now officially on iTunes. Uh, so some really great stuff there. Um, on a sadder note, though, uh, more than 100,000 people have been displaced by flooding in central Nigeria. So I retweeted that because a lot of times, you know, we get so focused on North America, we get so focused on right now uh, Harvey, it's easy to forget that there's other places in the world that are also suffering and unfortunately uh, Central Nigeria is one of them right now uh, with a hundred thousand people being displaced so uh, you know a lot of people's thoughts, prayers, well wishes uh, to those people as well. Um, Barack Obama had a response uh, which was so interesting on so many levels Usually former presidents don't really say anything about the policies of the current president, uh, but Obama more and more has come out and uh, stated his, his opinion about uh, certain things. Uh, obviously, uh, DACA was put into place by Obama. Um, his response was uh, to target hopeful young strivers who grew up here is wrong because they've done nothing wrong and then he has a statement there on Facebook again it's on my uh, Twitter timeline if you guys want to check that out Uh, very well spoken Um, some tidbits from it though because it was such a good uh, bit that he had on on Facebook he says this action is contrary to our spirit and to common sense so that's a pretty strong condemnation Um, he says let's be clear the action taken today isn't is not required legally and I agree with him on that it's a political decision and a moral question Uh, that's so well put again not surprising uh, you know how how well uh, Obama gave speeches and how eloquent he was for him to be able to uh, phrase it that way as well Um, he says ultimately this is about basic decency Uh, This is about whether we are a people who kick hopeful young strivers out of America. Uh, And he also added saying that kicking them out will not lower the unemployment rate uh, or lighten anyone's taxes or raise anybody's wages. And I I think that that is the right message to deliver to the American people uh, because again, this, this bullshit politics of playing one group against the other as if you know, that somehow impacts you, um, you know, it's, it's their fault that you have high taxes, it's their fault you're unemployed, it's their fault you have low wages, it's total bullshit, 
and I, I, I'm happy to see Obama uh, phrase it that way because I agree with that 100%. Uh, he also said these dreamers are Americans in their hearts, in their minds, and in every single way but one on paper. So it was actually Obama, I was quoting that earlier today uh, in the podcast. It was Obama that said that, not surprisingly. Uh, very well said. Um, there was a tweet from Richard A. Mills saying Obama screwed up and made unconstitutional uh, DACA recipients into victims. Now he's going to act upset about it, please. And my response is that as well. You know, that's one way to look at it. I don't agree with that at all, but you know. Um, and then earlier today, again, this is also on Twitter. Uh, Senator Durbin came out and said that it's time for Congress to do the right thing and to pass legislation to protect undocumented immigrants. Uh, he was joined actually by Lindsey Graham. So that's interesting because Durbin being a Democrat, Lindsey Graham being a Republican, uh, Lindsey Graham came out and said, the only thing that stands between you and certainty in your life is Congress. That can't be reassuring. So this is part two. Uh, we actually reached at the three-hour mark, three-hour threshold uh, for episode number three. So this is episode number three, part two. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, we're going to continue the podcast from where we left off. So as we were saying, Lindsey Graham, a Republican senator with a Democrat senator uh, in uh, Durban, and he came out and said, the only thing that stands between you and certainty in your life is Congress that can't be reassuring talking to the dreamers. Um, in addition to that, uh, Graham continued on. He was saying that the question is, can we come together? The answer is we have no choice. And I hope that Lindsey Graham is right. Uh, but I worry that this is something that could easily probably pass in the Senate because as much as I don't have that much faith in Congress in the U.S. right now, I do feel like uh, the smartest dummies, if you will, are the people that are in the Senate. Uh, I don't have any faith in the House of Representatives. Just the, the people that are there in the positions, you look at Paul Ryan, you look at Ted Cruz, um, the list is endless of people that are just, to me, mindless, visionless, mindless, visionless, um, and, and, you know, they're just a waste of taxpayers' dollars. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Dick Durbin, who's the number two Democrat in the Senate, when asked about tying the status for the Dreamers to the border wall, says, I think the wall is a non-starter. And I would agree with him. I think, you know, the balls that it takes to attach their fucking wall to the DREAM Act, those two things are polar opposites. Um, uh, ridiculous. Um, another thing that I tweeted out, and this will end the show, is Americans apparently are taking so many antidepressants that it's actually showing and accumulating in fish brains in the wild. Um, so really crazy stuff there. 
uh, traces of Prozac and other medications are showing up in wild fish. Um, so that just shows you the level of antidepressants that are being taken. Um, and it, it's, it's a crazy situation. So um, again, you know, I want to thank you guys uh, for joining us on this podcast. It was a very long one, uh, over three hours of material. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did making it. Um, you know, I want to thank everybody on uh, facebook.com slash podcast. Um, the support, uh, the likes, uh, everything that you guys have done uh, continues to help to build this podcast into what it's becoming. Um, and I, I can't thank you enough for your support with that. Uh, I want to thank everybody on YouTube who's liked, commented, and subscribed uh, to the channel um, and, and is viewing the show uh, on a regular basis. I appreciate that as well. Um, and to our listeners on podcast.com, uh, you know, I don't really mention them as often as I probably should since they're the actual host for the podcast. Um, but I truly appreciate those of you guys that have uh, downloaded uh, the podcast through podcast.com. And I am extremely excited about uh, our new platform with iTunes. So to be an, an official podcast on iTunes now uh, is a dream come true for me uh, with this podcast. It didn't take long, thankfully. It's only just the third podcast that we're, we're now official. Um, and again, uh, I'm going to have the link down at the bottom uh, for that with iTunes. Um, and, you know, if, if you're so inclined, I do encourage you guys to subscribe, to download episodes off of iTunes. And if you can, to review on iTunes because that's the best way to widen this audience to get this thing to grow even more organically um, and that's what's been cool about this the whole time is just to watch this thing continuously grow organically um, and last but not least um, I do also want to encourage everybody uh, to vote uh, for Maxim's Finest um, please check that out uh, again I'm going to have the website uh, down at the bottom uh, Anna right now is currently 13th and there's 8 days left uh, keep in mind that you can vote uh, one of two ways you could vote uh, through Facebook or you could vote uh, which I would recommend if you can uh, the warrior vote and that way a portion of the proceeds uh, benefits homes for wounded warriors so a really great cause there um, and you know let's help get Anna to win this um, so again thank you guys so much for joining um, and I can't wait for tomorrow's podcast. We'll see what's on the horizon with that. Um, and thank you so much, guys, for the support. Um, and yeah, that's it. <laughs>